You ready? 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 Watch out, Grateful! Anyway, with the friend. 
Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports. But before we get started, a couple of a, a couple of uh, housekeeping uh, announcements to make. First off, a special congratulations to Reggie for uh, being named the newest Whispers moderator. Uh, she is going to do a great job. Uh, anybody who listens to this podcast, you you may have heard Reggie on our Big Brother or Survivor podcast that we have done which you can all check out on blogtalkradio.com slash missyae or by going to iTunes, Amazon Music, or Apple Podcasts. Also, if you are a Big Brother fan, we did just get finished with an interview with Big Brother 9's Natalie Cuneo, and we are set to have back-to-back interviews this upcoming week. First, on Wednesday, we will have uh, Rennie Martin from Big Brother 10 joining us. She's going to talk all about her season and what she may or may not like about Big Brother as a whole now, uh, now that it's been years removed since she last played. Uh, We will also have the next night, uh, this upcoming Thursday, we will have Sheila Kennedy from Big Brother 9 to discuss her season as well as what she thinks about the game as well. And, of course, all of this wouldn't be possible without the help of Missy A.E., Jim Early. Uh, without his help, we wouldn't be able to bring you uh, any of these podcasts that we do. Uh, and if you aren't a Whispers member yet, you can just search for any of the Whispers groups on Facebook by going to Facebook. You can search Survivor Whispers, Big Brother Whispers, uh, Survivor Whispers Premiere, if you are into uh, spoilers. Or you can also search for Sports Whispers as well, which uh, I'm an active member in there. Uh, A couple of people who have called into our show uh, are active in there as well. So, uh, But if you want to call in tonight and talk some sports, you can call in at 657-383-1308. Like I said, we will be live for the next two hours before we go into the uh, extra hour after show. We currently have Lou on the line, and I believe we have Kyle. Is that you? Yes, sir. How are you? Uh, I am terrific. I am terrific uh, tonight. I I wasn't sure because I know know we have have two two or so – uh, callers with the with the the same area code as you, so I wasn't sure if it was you, but uh, yeah, guys, you know, let's let's get started right off the bat. You know, we got NBA finals to discuss. We got the Stanley Cup Conference Finals, which, by the way, Lou, I am so sorry about uh, your Rangers, but it looks like it's not over yet. It's not over yet, but I told you that this could potentially be coming. With Tampa Bay, uh, with, with Tampa, Tampa Bay, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're likely 
uh, you know, if anybody was looking at who could potentially be a three-peat in the NHL, Tampa Bay looks the most likely. Right. Uh, but, yeah, we have a lot of stuff to cover. We have uh, two specific teams entering a potential rebuilding phase uh, to talk about, as well as an update on Deshaun Watson and his situation. Uh, so, I, you know, why don't we get started with the NBA Finals? Uh, Kyle, have you, had a, have you had a chance to watch any of the Finals so far through four I games? I have, I have. Yeah, so... Well, um, the- I, yeah. I guess. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I, I was gonna say. I guess the biggest thing takeaway is, um, you just Curry. Literally, is I don't know, probably the greatest shooter of all time. You can make an argument that he's probably a top five, maybe even top three guard of all time. Um, <laughs> but the thing I that sticks out to me is how how. How in the world does somebody play 33 minutes and he has two more points than I did, and I didn't play any minutes? Yeah. See, like, yeah, I, I don't that's that. obviously Draymond. Yeah. That's obviously Draymond Green. Uh, from what you're talking Correct. about there, uh, Draymond. Correct. Yeah. Let's let's just get let's get started off uh, here. It's a it's I'm I am so happy you brought up Draymond Green because this dude <laughs> talks so much shit. He talks so much shit about, uh, you know, about playing out there when yet, let's face it, Draymond isn't anywhere close to the player that he used to be. He used to be able to hide behind, he used to be able to hide, hide behind Kevin Durant, put on some, put on some good games and basically be able to manhandle uh players. I mean, you know you know, this guy is so fucking cocky that he says uh he has yeah. earned the he has earned the preferential treatment that he gets from referees where referees call call fouls on the other guy yet uh Draymond can basically steamroll players just like uh just like Giannis at Senecumpo does and get and, and, and not get a single call. But obviously, yeah. uh, at, at right after he said that, all of a sudden he's now been starting to get called for offensive fouls, which, I mean, this is a whole bunch of shit talk for a guy who has fouled out of half of the NBA final games so far this, uh, in this NBA finals. And, but, I mean, come, come on. He's, uh, yeah, he's putting up uh, – He's putting yeah. up good assist numbers, and he's putting up good rebounding numbers. But Draymond, I'm, you know, if, there, if there's one guy on Golden State that you want to shoot the three every single time, it's Draymond Green. Because guarantee you, if you're a fan of the opposing team, nine times out of ten, Draymond is going to miss that three-point attempt. Yeah. And it seems like that's the only thing he's going for now is uh, unless he can get an easy layup, the only thing he seems to be going for is three-point attempts. And that ultimately, he's doing more harm to Golden State with his, mm-hmm. with his uh, offensive fouls and his shot, uh, his shot attempts than good. All right, Lou, let's, you know, let's, let's get your thoughts. It, 
is Dray, you know, is Draymond the same player that no, he's always been? No, of course not. No, not at all. Especially since the last time they went into the finals, he hasn't even up to where they're that level. Since 2015, uh, I mean, he hasn't. So he has, he's, he's lost a step for sure. Yeah, this this isn't. I, I mean, let, let me bring up. Uh, the last time they won, which was in 2018, he averaged – well, actually, hang on. Let me go to 2016 when they lost to the Cavaliers. That was their uh, – that was Draymond's best playoff performance where he had 15.4 points per game. Since then, every year that he's been in the playoffs, that average has gone down and down and down. As a matter of fact, I don't know where he is at right now in terms of an average. Hopefully, let me see. ESPN maybe will have it. Uh, postseason. Okay. He has he, he averaged 7.8 points per game so far this postseason. And actually, this regular season – well, okay, no, it's not his lowest average for regular season points per game. But this this regular season, he only averaged seven and a half points per game. So this is clearly Draymond's worst – well, I can't say that because uh, the first time that Golden State went to the playoffs under with Draymond was in 2013. He had 5.8 points per game, but – since he became an everyday starter, this is perhaps Draymond Green's, were at least his worst finals that he's been involved in. Because I don't think I've seen Draymond shoot as bad as he as he's had this uh, this series, and I don't even think it's the defense. I think it's just he's. He seemingly has lost a step. I mean, if you take a look at at his points per game, they've pretty much, since the last time they won the finals, his points per game average has pretty much gone downhill. The last time they won the finals in 2017-2018, he averaged 11 points per game uh, with, uh, with Golden State. The next seasons after that, 7.4, 8.0, 7, and 7.5 this year. You know, for, for a guy who seemingly has been considered one of the best big men to play, I mean, it's, you're not really seeing it from him this, uh, this postseason. Yeah. If anything, he... Golden State has played a lot better with him on the bench. I mean, the, to the point of where Steve Kerr actually benched him for part of yeah. the end of that game last night. Steve Kerr actually actually benched him. And every time Draymond is on the bench, Golden State has played a lot better in this yes. series. I mean, so far, Draymond's best game was in, whoa, let me see, actually, game, yeah, I want to make, make sure I have this right, yeah, game two, 
was his best game where he had nine he had nine points, he had seven assists mm-hmm. and five rebounds on sixty six point seven percent shooting. And other than that, you know, it well, I, I guess maybe it does have a bit to do with the defense because you take a look at the Mavericks series. The Mavericks series, he averaged about 10.6 points per game while he's averaging 4.3 in the, uh, in the NBA Finals so far. I, I, don't, I don't know, uh, Kyle, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on, on Draymond Green? Like, uh, he's definitely drawn the ire of Boston fans with his comments that he's made this postseason. Right. But, uh, you know, what, um, what do you think, what do you think of him uh, uh, in regards to his struggles? I, I definitely think it's, it's the matchup. Um, I definitely thought Boston would match up better with Golden State than Miami. So the matchup, you got, you got to look at who is going to be guarding or switching on to Fremont Green. So I, I think that definitely plays into account, um, you know. But I think I think Golden State, obviously, you literally have to let Seth Curry kill you. That, that's all you can do, and then just hope that you bottle up play. And, but I, I think a lot of people are finally talking about, I guess, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, I, I'm so – like, I'm proud of him. I mean, as much as I didn't like him coming out of college, um, hey, like, he, he found his rotation. He found a spot where – you know he's good, and I think um, I think more people are starting to like realize. Okay, um, yeah, Draymond sucks. I I didn't like Draymond Green. He went to Michigan State, and we're not going to even talk about the Duke Michigan State thing. <laughs> but I, I've yeah. never liked Michigan yeah. State. You know, I, I respect Michigan State and Tom Izzo and what he does. You know, did for that team, but I've never liked Draymond Green. Um, but I Neither think I. we need to give credit. to you know, I, I think we need to give Wiggins the credit where credit's due. I mean, he's, you know, doing pretty good. I mean, 18 to first game, 17 to second game. Uh, game three, he had, you know, so I think uh, as much as I, I don't want to sit here and bash Draymond Green, because I could all night, but I think Wiggins definitely deserves something uh, more. I, I guess back to your original question is, uh, yeah, I mean, Draymond has always been, a pot stir. He likes to talk a lot of shit. Um, and it must be nice to have arguably, arguably the greatest scorer of all time on your team to win your ring, Kevin Durant. Arguably, like I said earlier, top three, maybe top five point guard of all time. <clears throat> then you have Clay Thompson, who is no scrub. And then, so I, I guess you can sit there and run your mouth when you have elite talent, like I said, you know, the best of the best. And now it's put right. a shut up because now it's you know, it's it's Wiggins who's doing great, but it's like, dude, Draymond, there's going to be a come to the point, like, there's a reason why they give you 15 feet every single shot. It's, you either have to make a contested, like, you either have to blow by somebody, which you're not going to, you're not 18 years old anymore, um, or you're going to have to make a 16-foot jump shot, which, go ahead, if I'm Boston, I would literally just shade off gold, like, Draymond Green and just pretty much play a box in one and just let Draymond just do whatever he wants to do. Because clearly you're not exactly. going to score more than eight points. And then I think that's what Boston is saying is like, hey, like we're going to try to con- contain Steph as much as we can. It's not going to happen. He can make any shot in the world. All right, and then now our primary, like, pri- 
primary focus is going to be on Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. And then if Draymond, if here's the thing, if I'm Boston, I'm going to be like, all right, let Draymond win this series. That's it. If Draymond needs to shoot a shot, it's going to be Draymond to win this series. And that's it. If I'm, if I'm Al Horford, I'm going to say, Hey, give him 50 feet, let him blow by you. Not going to happen. Or he's going to take that shot yeah. And nine times out of 10. He'll miss it. So as much as this, I don't know. Like I said earlier, I think Boston matches up way better. Um, yeah, and I honestly, I, I think Boston is going to take it in seven. Um, I don't think Draymond. I don't think Draymond has it in him to. I don't. I don't think Draymond has it in him to take. Take it like you let Steph eat, and then whatever he wants to shoot, shoot. Let Steph get a thousand points if you want. You know what I mean. Yeah, and you know Steph Curry has been, I mean, otherworldly. I'll put it uh, this, right in this series. You know, some of the sh- I've I've said before that there are two human cheat codes in the NBA. One of them is Luka Doncic, right. who can basically yes. hit a shot from anywhere on the court. The other one is Steph Curry, who literally, if you gave right. him the opportunity, he could land a he could land a shot from half court with no problem. Like so, just it doesn't even matter if you have a hand in his face. He's just got, he's gonna right. land the shot regardless. Yeah, yeah, I think I think though uh, instead of Draymond Green, the Celtics should really be focusing on Kayvon Looney. I don't know if you guys re- if you guys recognize this, but last night for some ungodly reason, Steve Kerr started Otto Porter Jr instead of Kayvon Looney in the mm. starting lineup. And when he did, the Celtics were taking advantage of of the of just the the size. You know, the the Warriors decided to go decided to start off small instead of bringing instead of having both Looney and Green out there on the court at the same time, which uh, to be perfectly fair, uh when they've had both Looney and uh and Green out there at the same time, it hasn't really done them any favors in this series. However, Looney is the far superior rebounder, mm-hmm. and actually he's he's the far superior overall threat, I feel, as opposed to Draymond. Because Looney is always there for the offensive rebounds. He's He's kind of like... He's kind of like Robert Williams minus the blocks. Because you're not really seeing that many blocks out of Looney, as opposed to what you see out of Robert Williams. Uh, but if I were the Celtics, I mean, obviously Steph Curry, yeah, you can you can continue to have Marcus Smart on him, and to be perfectly honest, Marcus Smart isn't even responsible for a lot of these uh, for a lot of these points that Curry is putting up. Whenever Smart has guarded Curry. I think the most he's given up in any single game to Curry has been eight points. Other than that, all a lot of these three-point attempts have have come off of switches. More, right. more namely, I think I think it was when uh, every time the Celtics drop back like they do, they decide to leave Curry wide open, which is basically a death sentence. You know, you, you leave. Maybe the the greatest shooter of this past decade, or at least as long as long as he's been playing, you leave the best shooter of that time period 
open, of course he's going to sink the damn shot. Oh. So, you know, with Curry, he's he's averaging 27.6 points per game uh, in these playoffs. I don't know exactly what it is in the finals. Let's see. The yeah. finals, he's averaging – He's averaging like 34.3 points per game in these finals. So, I, you know, regardless, he, if the Celtics are going to insist on continuing to switch like they, like they have been, then, yeah, you know, Curry is going to make those shots. He's going he's gonna to put up his numbers with no problem. I think the number one thing, Lou, is they need to yes. get Klay Thompson going. Because oh, Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson has be, has always been that number two threat, and yes. he started off this series very very sleepy. It's almost as if Clay took a step back this year, as opposed to a step forward uh, after you know being out for so long for so long because of his back to back injuries. Yes, but Thompson. I think he may be the number one key to Golden State winning this series. Because if the Celtics can somehow lock down Thompson like they did the first two games, then I think Golden State potentially has a problem to where they're going to have to rely on Curry to make these huge to, to make these huge games like we saw last night, him putting up 41 points. Jordan Poole, he's also started to pick up things. But, you know, you if you're a Warriors fan, you want to see that more on a consistent basis. You don't want a, a one game where he pops off like he did last night and then another game where he's almost bur- – where he, you know, he gives you some points, but it's it's less compared to what he would what he would normally be able to give you. Wiggins, Wiggins has has definitely surprised me. He is, uh, I think he's proven that the All Star uh, representation that he had this year is not a fluke. That he's definitely he was definitely deserving of the uh, of the All Star selection that he got this year, and he has shown up so far in the NBA Finals. Uh, I still think my number one thing with Golden State is I am surprised that mm-hmm. they haven't gone for more size in some of these matchups. Like, uh, for, for example, Jonathan Kaminga, you know, he, he, he showed up pretty well against the Mavericks. And so far this playoffs, you know, he's averaging about – well, he's he's averaging about five and a half points per game, but he's mainly known for his size. So it kind of surprised me that maybe it's because he's a rookie that they don't want him. They don't want to throw him into the into the deep end of the pool, basically, by having him play in an NBA Finals game, for you know having to play meaningful minutes. But it, I think it kind of surprised me though that. You know we have oh and we got a goal from uh, from Tampa yeah, Bay one nothing looks like it was Stamkos who got this one. 
but you know, I think it's just kind of surprised me with some of the some of the substitutions that uh, Kerr has made in this series. But so far, it's worked. You know, they're tied up two games apiece. Uh, uh, what are what are your thoughts, Lou, on how Golden State has been able to fare so far in this series? Well, I told you once they had their lineup back of um, Thompson. You know, and all that. You know, I, I knew it was gonna, Curry. You know, you knew he was going to make a run of it. I did not see Boston sweeping the series at all. Okay, so they no. gave him a whipping in game three, but game four, Warriors came right back. I mean, it, it shouldn't surprise anybody, you know, with these with these two teams going at each other. They, they're familiar with each other. They know what uh, is up each other's sleeves and whatnot. So this is exactly how I thought it was going to go. Oh, yeah. Course, it, you know, exactly. And, and, and let me say this, too. I, I, I mean, I admittedly am a Boston fan. Uh, you know, I'm born and raised right. Boston Celtics, Boston Bruins, Red Sox, Patriots. Ah, I'm not one of those fan. I'm not one of those deluded fans who thought, oh, Celtics and four, Celtics and five. No, at most, or at the very least, it would be going six. I always, I said this right from the start. It will be either six or seven games that this is going to go, and. I would say I'm surprised that we've seen splits uh, to start off the series with Boston winning game one and game three, Golden State winning game two and game four. I thought, if anything, maybe we would see Golden State with how good they've been uh, at home in this playoff, that maybe perhaps we would see Golden State take the first two games and then Boston take the next two games at home. However, one interesting stat, though, Boston is undefeated coming off of a loss in this postseason. Yes, I know. So th- th- I, think, I think they're like 9-0 and or something when coming off of a loss. So that is yes. that's something to take into account. Uh, that bo- the biggest thing with Boston has been turnovers. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Jason Tatum – for as many points as he puts up, he gives he gives you just as many turnovers. He's averaging 4.1 turnovers per game in this postseason. If you're if you give up if you give up turnovers to this Golden State team, it may have worked against other teams. You know, you may have been able to get by yeah. with it against other teams. You're not going to get away with it when facing Golden State. If you're putting up massive amounts of turnovers like they did last night, you're not winning that game. I, I'm sorry. You know, it may have been close entering the fourth quarter. Let's put it this way. The way the game started and how it was at the half, it felt like that this game shouldn't have even been close. It it, it seemed like Boston was hanging in there mainly because of their own mistakes. Hell, Boston, for, you know, for uh, such a huge third-quarter team that Golden State has been historically, Boston yeah. actually kept pace with them for the first time this series. They kept pace with them in the third quarter of game four. And the game was right within their reach. And five minutes left in the game, Boston's offense 
all of a sudden completely disappeared. Like you, like you had to, you had to put one of those wanted ads on, uh, or one of those missing ads on on a on a milk carton, missing yeah. the entire Boston offense, fourth quarter. It's, I I don't know what happened last night, Lou. It it, it seemed like Boston, you know, they were getting yeah. a good game, uh, early. Yeah, they were getting a. They were getting a good game, especially out of Robert Williams, which this is very key because they have played a lot better with Williams on the court as opposed to Williams when he's been limited. And this could potentially depend. I guess something may have happened where he re-aggravated his knee last night. So there's the potential chance that Robert Williams could be out for game five, which if that's the case, that is a huge loss to that Boston offense. Not not in particular because of the points, but more more like because of the because of the rebounds that he's able the rebounds he's able to gather, the blocks he's able he's able to make. Robert Williams is a game changer when he is out there on that court for Boston. My biggest gripe apart from the turnovers last night was the fact that Marcus Smart decided I want to go and play hero ball again. Instead of being yeah. instead of being a selfless passer and you know contributing on both ends of the court, he decided I want to play hero ball again and I want to shoot up three pointers like it's no tomorrow instead right. of passing it off. That right there is what is is what I shouldn't say it, it's what gave Golden State the win because Golden State they were, you know they they were uh, this game was pretty damn close until the turnovers mounted up and Marcus Smart all of a sudden decided to start playing hero ball again, which is what made Celtics fans despise him because he would decide to try and put the game on his shoulders instead of. I don't know, maybe getting the ball to your two top stars, Jason Tatum or Jalen yeah. Brown. So, you know, j- just based off of what we have seen so far, the key thing, I, I, I honestly think that this series has, you could call this the turnover series, the, uh, the turnover finals. The team with the least amount of turnovers in every game won that game. I don't think so far we have seen one game in this series where a team has had more turnovers than the opposing team, and yet they somehow still won that game. When it comes to finals MVP, I'll say it right now, I believe Curry has locked it up. Even potentially, if Absolutely. if Boston somehow if Boston somehow wins this series, I think this may be the first time in a while where somebody from the losing team ends up winning MVP. Yeah, Which, it wouldn't be the first time, point, I don't think. No, it wouldn't be the first time. But I, I, what I'm saying is, it's the it would be the first time in a long time that yes. it's happened. And honestly, with the with the with the averages he's putting up in this series, how could you not give him finals MVP? Right. However, 
you know, if, if we switch it over to Boston, honestly, I think the only two guys you can really look at right now are Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown as potential MVP candidates for finals MVP. Uh, Smart basically shot them out of the game last night, so I don't think you can give it to Smart. You couldn't give it to Horford because he's been too inconsistent. Apart from that one huge game that he had uh, stat-wise, he's been inconsistent. So really, there's there's not really anybody else except the two uh, the two Js that you could potentially give it to. However, that here's the thing: last night. Steph Curry had his legacy game. Everybody is everybody is saying game five, Jason Tatum needs mm-hmm. to respond with a legacy game of his own. Because there are going to be so if if you know Tatum's only shooting, I think it's like seventeen percent from two point land. You know uh, when it comes to two pointers, he's only shooting seventeen percent in this finals. If you keep if you keep averaging those numbers, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to get anywhere uh, you know, towards the Larry O'Brien trophy. You're just not. I know. Uh by the way, that was a hand pass on the on the Rangers. That should have been called. I don't know why it wasn't. Um But when you look at when you look at both teams, I to be perfectly honest, you know, I'm a Boston fan. Obviously, we strive for perfection, but I couldn't really be upset, you know, if Golden State takes it because I mean, I'm not one of those fans who says, you know, Golden State can die in a burning fire. I hope, you know, oh, I I hope Ugh. Steph Curry. Uh, I hope Steph Curry dies in a uh, in a plane crash. Yeah, we had a member of Whispers actually. Uh, we had a member of Whispers say that last night. Uh, he's since been been kicked from uh, from all of our groups. But Good. it's like it's it's just a fucking game, you know. Yeah, you're a fa- you're a fan, but because another player. From a from an opposing team does well against your team doesn't give you the right to make those to make those type of uh, no you know those t- those type of comments like that. So you know, oh, and honestly, it's keep in mind Golden State. This is this is what their sixth finals appearance in eight years. Yes. So, you know, how can how can you expect to go into an NBA finals against arguably the best franchise of the of the past decade? Yeah. And expect and expect and expect to dominate them. It's just not logically possible. It's not logically possible. But it is tied to uh, two games apiece, going back to Golden State uh, for game five, which will be this upcoming Monday. 
which, by, by the way, I still hate the times, uh, the uh, the starting times, 9 p.m. Eastern. You know, I, I said this last week, who the hell decided upon that? But uh, obviously, well, it's prime time. That. It's all, yeah, you know, it's always been like that, but it's, I mean, it makes it makes for a very long night for uh, for East Coast uh, for East Coast fans. Uh, of course, I will say this though, I, ch- I I agree with what Kyle said. I think Boston is probably the toughest matchup out of all of the Eastern Conference teams. Maybe if the Bucks had if the Bucks had a healthy Chris Middleton, maybe perhaps the Bucks would oh, be yeah. a tough matchup as well. For uh, for Golden State, but Miami, honestly, that Miami team I think would have been absolutely destroyed by Golden State. Uh, the Nets, you know, the Nets honestly wouldn't have wouldn't have stood a chance either. Uh, Philly, there's no way that Philly would be able to keep up with Golden State offensively. So, I you know honestly I think. The, Boston is definitely the toughest matchup that Golden State has had this postseason. And you know, I still stand I still stand by uh you know what what uh Jim said that if Memphis had John Morant, a healthy John Morant, it's oh, entirely yeah. possible that Memphis could have potentially advanced as opposed to as opposed to Golden sure. State because once John Morant got injured, that series got completely taken over. I agree. Sometimes I'll take your best player that's out, and I can really screw it all up. Yeah, as we ended up seeing, of course. Uh, but yeah, yeah the, as the uh, as the schedule currently stands right now, uh, Monday night will be uh, uh, at Golden State at 9 p.m. Eastern. Then on Thursday night, they go back to uh, they go back to Boston for 9 p.m. Eastern. Then, if necessary, Game 7 will be next Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, mm. if, it, if it does go to a Game 7, which... Who knows? For all we know, uh, coming back next week, we could be talking about a three-three tie here. So, uh, it's possible. It is definitely possible. Uh, now, the you know the one thing I'm gonna say too is, uh, granted, you know I, I'm a Boston fan. I shouldn't be complaining about this, but the referees in this series. It seems like they have been calling the they it seems like they've been calling it for the most part completely one-sided in Boston's favor. Have you know have you noticed that, Lou? When it comes to the, yeah, the free throw disparity? Yeah, I think I have noticed that. You know, it's become a three-point shooting game now, you know, for the most part. Oh yeah, that's you know, that's the thing that uh that Jim has talked about that it, it gone are the days of the nineties uh yeah. style of of basketball where it was more physical, more to the hoop, and now it's just chuck up a three and hope it falls. 
that's pretty much what we're what we're at now when it comes to uh, when it comes to playing basketball. You know, if if you're if you're a player coming out of college or going into college with the hope of becoming an NBA player in the future, you better hope you develop a three point shot because otherwise, you're pretty much forget it. You're pretty much worth nothing to any team. Essentially, is what they're what they're basically pointing out to everybody. So, yeah, it's it's sad that that's basically it what it's come down to is you know if you have if you have the better three point shooting team, you're gonna end up what you're gonna end up winning the uh, you know you're gonna win a majority of the games if you're a better three point shooting team. Yes. So that's why, you know, when when you go up against Golden State, I mean, you take a look at all the three-point shooters they got. They got they got Steph Curry, arguably the greatest three-point shooter of the past decade. They got Clay no Thompson. Question. They got Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Otto Porter Jr., uh Andre Iguodala, even though he's even though he's old, you know, he can he can still shoot the three oh. pretty well. Uh, you know, Gary Payton can put up a couple of threes. Gary Payton Jr., yeah. You have you have quite a three you have quite a few three point shooters on that squad. You know, Boston, yeah, you got you got Brown and Tatum, you got Smart, you got White who misses more than he lands. Uh Horford, you know, Horford can land the three. Grant Williams misses more than he lands. Peyton Pritchard, the same thing. It's, you know, a majority, the, the, big, the big difference is that a lot of these players shoot threes more than, more than twos. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you, uh, you know, because not only do I, watch, do I watch the games, but I also – at the same time, look at the NBA.com gamecast, and I look at the play-by-play where they tell you, like, a three-point attempt or a two-point attempt. I, I don't think I can remember how many three-point attempts were missed, but it, yeah. it just seems like it was, it was one after another after another after another, miss, 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 miss by both teams at, 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 in a certain stretch. And it's it's like this isn't basketball, you know. Yeah. It's, it's basically a three point shooting contest at this point. But I mean, if you if you had to call it right now, Lou, how do you see the rest? Of, it's now down to a best of three. How yeah. do you see this series unfolding? With the final three I, games. No, I had the Warriors. I mean, I had the Celtics my dark horse pick. Uh, not necessarily to win the final, but to, to make it there. But um, you got this lineup with uh, Thompson, Curry. And that's, so uh, I think it's the Warriors uh, for the taking now. You know, I have to agree. Uh, I think we'll see the Warriors in seven. Um very hard, a very hard pill for me to swallow. But uh, just just looking at at the at the turnovers, you know, the turnovers have been the big 
part, the big point of this whole series so far. And I mean, obviously adjustments play a role as well. You know, there's still the possibility that maybe perhaps Ime Udoka can work to get, can put together some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of game plan to where it could potentially not, not exactly fully neutralize, but maybe sort of limit uh, the amount of yeah. open looks that Steph Curry and Clay Thompson get. Uh, but still, I think if the Celtics are to win this series, Jason Tatum has to shoot a lot better. Jalen Brown has to continue to be aggressive towards the hoop like he has been. Marcus Smart has to stop trying to play hero ball. I mean, yeah, right. if you have a if you have an open if you have an open three, yeah, take it. But stop trying to play hero ball and and try and force shots. The chances are they're not gonna fall. Uh, also, I think a key thing for Boston as well is the health of Robert Williams. If he's not able to go, that means that you're going to have to put Daniel Tice into the lineup, and when that happens, Golden State can basically have their way every single time that Daniel Tice is out there on the court. Because let's just face it, it's a, it's a severe mismatch for Boston in that scenario. Uh Golden State, obviously, you know, you got to make sure Curry. And here's another thing, too, with Curry. He did that with an injured ankle last night, put up 41 points. Yeah. With an injured ankle. So if he can do that with an injured ankle, that, that tells me right there that Boston didn't attack him nearly as aggressive as they should have been. You would have thought that if you if you have a guy out there with an injury, you're going to want to put more pressure on him mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, as, a, as you want to basically make him work a lot more, make him have to move around a lot more. And it seemed like last night you didn't really see that with, with Boston against Curry. But with Golden State, I mean, I guess the big thing for Golden State is obviously turnovers are a huge thing for both teams. You got to limit the turnovers. Uh, you got to limit the dumb mistakes that that uh, Draymond Green yeah. can poten- can potentially have, like the offensive fouls, uh, which have started to become more regular. You got to make sure he keeps his emotions down as well. Uh, he ha- yes. he does have a technical in this series. Uh, so did Jordan Poole, actually, at one point before they waved it off. Uh, and I believe there was a technical last night. I forget who it was addressed to uh, on Golden State. But you kind of have to tone yeah. down the emotions a little bit. Because, emo- you know, if emotions are running high, I, j- I have a feeling – it, emotions could potentially cost one of these two teams in one of these three games uh, left. Because it, it seemed last night that, or the last couple of games, it seemed like, you know, the lid was basically going to blow off. So 
it's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, but, you know, people can call me a traitor or whatnot. Uh, I am a Boston fan, born and raised, but, I mean, you just you take a look at this Golden State team. Obviously, it's the toughest matchup that Boston has faced, but they're champions for a reason. They're three-time champions for a reason. Yes. And Curry, I, I have a feeling that Curry is going to get uh, is going to get another one. And also, not to mention, finally get his uh, his MVP that he that he's been missing on his resume. That's pr- I mean, honestly, that's pretty much the only thing he's missing. You know, he's been a three-time NBA champion, uh, a two-time Most Valuable Player. Uh, during the regular season, that is. He's an eight-time All-Star. He's won the All-Star Game MVP. He's a a part of the All-NBA first and second team, as well as the third team at one point. You know, he won the Western Conference Finals MVP this year, uh, the Magic Johnson Trophy, as they call it. He's been a three-point contest champion. He's been the scoring champion twice, uh, the leader in steals, He's a member of the 50-40-90 club, uh, which is basically 50% field goal percentage, 40% uh, three-point percentage, and 90% free throw percentage in a single uh, in a single season. That was wow. him back in 2016. You know, he's also actually the uh, there, there are two things. He he wasn't rookie of the year in his year hmm. that he. Uh, that he was a rookie. That ended up going to, uh, you know what? Actually, let me look. Where did that go to? That went to Tyreek Evans that year of the Sacramento Kings. And now you look at where Tyreek is now. He's not even in the league, I don't think. So, but, yeah, you know, that pretty much finals MVP is the only thing that Steph Curry is missing. At this point, yeah. If they if they win it, he has to get it. No question about it. I would think, even even if they don't win, you know, like, like I said, this could be the mm. first time in a very long time that the Finals MVP could be somebody, uh, you know, could could be Steph Curry if Golden State doesn't win. Uh, now there, there have been some other things that have happened around the league as opposed to, uh, as opposed to, you know, the NBA finals, uh, the jazz coach Quinn Snyder stepped down this week, uh, after he underwent hip surgery, uh, the jazz were hoping he would come back on board for his ninth season with the team. However, uh, he, decided to move on and this apparently this apparently does not spell good news for for the jazz as this has left star uh star forward donovan mitchell unsettled and unnerved following snyder's decision to to step down because mitchell when he inked his five-year extension with the Jazz back in 2020, 
he reportedly considered the presence of Snyder as his head coach as a significant part of why he chose to sign that huge expansion. And now he see he doesn't see a clear direction uh, that the that the Utah Jazz are heading in, and it looks like this could be possible. This could be possibly heading towards Donovan Mitchell demanding a trade out of mm-hmm. Utah. Wouldn't surprise me. So. Uh, with Utah already on the brink, and obviously they would rather trade Rudy Rudy Gobert than trade Donovan Mitchell, but now it looks like maybe perhaps we could see both of them be moved this offseason as Utah potentially heads into a rebuilding process. But what are your what are your thoughts on that, Lou? On um, uh, what? On uh, on Utah potentially oh. heading towards the rebuilding yeah. phase with not not just their coach stepping down, uh, their longtime coach, might I add, but also Fair. you know now this may be heading towards Utah being forced to trade uh, both of their top stars as opposed to just trading oh, one. That's of gonna them. be that's gonna be murder. That's gonna be murder on them. You know, I guess they're just looking to dump them, thinking they could. You know, and do better without him. I don't see it happening. I think if you trade your two top stars, uh, Utah is going to have going to have a long, tough hill to climb uh, if this goes through. So I don't see this as a positive outlook for the Jazz at all. Oh no, it definitely isn't. But at the same no. time, at the same time, you got to look at it like this. Obviously, something isn't working out there in Utah. You know, it, it's. They have to choose one person to build around. Either they're going to build around Rudy Gobert or they're going to build around Donovan Mitchell. And right now, and I agree with this, the better person to build around would be Donovan Mitchell at this point, as opposed to Rudy Gobert. You know, Mitchell impacts their impact impacts their games a lot more compared to Gobert. And it doesn't help that it doesn't help them that they just got rid of the only coach that Donovan Mitchell has known in his entire NBA career so far. I mean, Quinn Snyder, through nine se- or through eight seasons with the team, put up a record of three seventy two and two sixty four, which is good for about a fifty eight a fifty eight point five percent win percentage. And they've made the they've made the playoffs six times out of the uh, out of the eight years that that they had Quinn Snyder as head coach, and not to mention they made the second round three different times in that span. They were eliminated in the first round this year, and also in the years 2018 through 2020. They made the conference semifinals during the bubble year where they then got eliminated. Uh, I believe it was by it was by the Clippers who then lost to the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals last year. Yes. Uh, but you know it's it's clear, especially with Danny Ainge taking over. 
uh, as general manager out there in Utah that something has to change. And whether it's getting rid of Gobert or getting rid of Mitchell, something definitely has to change out there. And it's, uh, it seems to me like this is going to be a very long, uh, yeah, you know, a very, a very long process for uh, Utah jazz fans. And, you know, this could, depending on how they start this process, it could potentially be a long-term rebuild for this, for this club. I, you know, for a club that had Rudy Gobert, Hassan Whiteside, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, and Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside used to be big for the Miami Heat. Yeah. You know, they got Jordan Clarkson. They got Mike Conley out there, which Conley, it sounds like he may not even return to Utah next year. Uh, You know, they got talent. But their main problem is, for some reason, oh, they got uh, Bohan Bogdanovich as well. That's a huge, a huge uh, part of their, uh, of their team. The problem here, though, is you take a, you take a look at who they have. You know, Donovan Mitchell, he averages about twenty five point nine points per game. Yeah. This year, well, actually, let me bring up Rudy Gobert's stats too. All right, Rudy. So Mitchell averaged twenty five point nine points per game, four point two rebounds, and five point three assists. He's just coming. He's coming off of his. I think fourth year, no fifth year in the league. Okay. You have Rudy. Go, you have Rudy Gobert, who's coming off of his ninth year in the league. Fifteen point six points per game, fourteen point seven rebounds per game. You know, gr- granted, obviously those are stats you would expect of a center, but you're just not getting the same. Per- you know, you're not. I don't know. In in your in your uh in your mind, Lou, who would be the better person to build around for for Utah? Would it be Rudy Gobert who put up uh who averages a double double? Yeah. Or would it be Donovan Mitchell who provides more scoring punch? Well, I mean we'll put it like that, I think with more scoring, I think Donovan has to be your man. I'm not getting nothing against Rudy, but Donovan, you know, he is the scorer. He is the one you have to go to in the clutch. So I think I got to go with Mitchell. And Mitchell is also four years Sorry, younger Rudy. as well. Yes. Yeah, and Gobert's getting up there. I mean, for Gobert, you could you could probably ca- you could probably fetch quite a lot on the on the trade market for Gobert. I would I would yeah. think. With the with the stats he puts up there, fifteen point six points per game, fourteen point seven rebounds. You're you're looking at a pretty a pretty good a pretty good uh, return for yes. whoever you know whoever decides to acquire Gobert would have to give up a hefty price. But. Yeah, if I were Utah, I would say Donovan Mitchell is probably the one guy you want to build around. 
compare yeah. when comparing the two. Uh, let's see. Here's another, you know, we want to talk about big men. How about this? DeAndre Ayton, it sounds like it's more likely than not that he has played his last game for the Phoenix Suns, according uh-huh. to a report by John Hollinger from The Athletic. Uh, he said, I was skeptical until I started talking to a few more people recently. Uh, now I think a sign-and-trade that brings back some value is more likely for, for DeAndre Ayton. He'll be an unrestricted free agent, and he apparently would want to be signed to a max deal, something that Phoenix is hesitant to give him. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't think Phoenix is, com- is totally comfortable going forward with him on a big money deal, and I think Ayton might be okay with going somewhere else if he can have a bigger offensive role. It's more likely than not that he's going to be in a new destination next season, especially if the Suns can work out. So, you know, that could be a potential option. Maybe you package together a sign and trade for maybe you bring in Gobert to Phoenix, you bring DeAndre Ayton over to Utah, and perhaps some, maybe perhaps something, uh, you know, a chance, maybe it's just that. Maybe you need just a, a star swap, basically. That would be more of a difference uh, as opposed to going into a complete rebuild. And actually, as it says here in a report, they are more willing to discuss trades for Rudy Gobert as opposed to Donovan Mitchell. Uh, as those reports came from the athletic as well. And right now it's, it actually says that Dallas and Charlotte are among teams that have had reported interest in Rudy Gobert up to this point. So we'll see where that, where that uh, trends. Uh, Also, according to the New York post, uh, Brian Lewis has reported that all, sign, all signs are pointing towards Kyrie Irving remaining with the Nets, despite reports mm-hmm. that Brooklyn would be unwilling to offer him a long-term deal. It seems more likely that he will remain well, with the not? team. Maybe perhaps because of the uh, frustration that he uh, that he put them through this year. That's with the whole why COVID. They back. Well, they probably do want him back, but they probably don't want to put together such a long-term commitment when he is when he's such a him. wild card like he is. Yeah, you don't want him. Not all the shape plus through this year, uh, no. Because I mean, just just from what it says here is, you know, he has a close relationship with Kevin Durant as well as the team uh-huh. owners. Uh, and it says that if, pro- if he does remain with the team, it probably won't be for the max, for the max deal. Uh, however, incentives yeah. to help him reach the max are potentially possible uh, to be included in a new contract. Uh, it could be playing a certain amount of games, which could be very difficult to reach for him considering his vaccination status. 
uh, you know, the big thing is obviously, and it's the same thing for anybody. If you're going to pay somebody like Kyrie Irving big money, you're going to want you're going to want to have him out there on the court. So obviously, it would make sense that maybe they tell him something yeah. like, "You need to get vaccinated if you want." If you want a max deal, you need to get vaccinated. Otherwise, right. we're not going to give you that I'll tell you, it's not worthy of a max deal. Who? Zion. Zion. He is not worthy of a max deal. You don't think so? No. One of the worst players in the NBA. Come on. And often injured? No, not worth it. That'd be a waste of money. It is. I, I mean, yeah, you you do have a, you do bring up a good point. Even though he is only 21 years old, uh, he did put up his best season so far through two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, yeah, no, actually, he missed this entire year with yeah. his uh, fractured foot, and he ended up having surgery. However. Before the surgery, you know, last year he had put up a career year, 27 points per game, 7.2 rebounds per game. Uh, he shot 61% from the field with increased minutes, might I add, as well. Uh, 3.7 assists per game. I mean, yeah, you know, the uh, – you know, he's been – more injured compared to compared to healthy, but when he is healthy, he's putting up monster numbers. You mean to tell me you wouldn't give? I mean, yeah, injury. You know, injury status. I can I can understand, but for a guy who's averaging close to, you know, twenty seven points per game, seven point two rebounds, and three point seven assists. You mean to tell me you're not going to give him a max contract? No. If he, can show, if he can show he's putting up those same numbers? That's a very big if. I what mean, about that? He missed out a whole season. I don't think he's going to get it back. What about, what about this? What if, because uh, I assume this upcoming season is the last year on his deal, right? Yes. What if this final season, let's say he plays, or maybe he misses only a few games. Like, for example, it could could be anything during the regular year that makes him miss a few games. But let's say he puts up those same amount of points. And say he plays, instead of 82 games, let's say he plays 75 or something. All right. Which would be the most amount of games he's played in his career. You mean to tell me you would not give him a max deal still? If he puts up uh, numbers and, you know, uh, is capable of getting teams wins, yes. But I'm not going to give it to a guy who's often injured and his team is just playing like trash. No, but I mean, imagine, keep in mind, this team did not have Brandon Ingram. When Zion Williamson was, or no, they did have Brandon Ingram, but they didn't have C.J. McCollum with right. Zion there as well. 
Now, imagine you have a healthy Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and you have C.J. McCollum on that team. There is potential, if Zion can stay healthy, there is potential that you are looking at a possible big three with that, yeah. uh, with that lineup. Well, to me, possible, but I wouldn't count on it. I mean, uh, to, to me, this is two completely different things. You know, uh, I mean, yeah, you have, but you have uh, big men of the past like Greg Oden. You know, Greg Oden, who was the number one pick over Kevin Durant. Odin yeah. was way too injured, but not just not not only was Odin injury prone, but he was not putting up the numbers that Zion Williamson is putting up. Zion, despite being injured and playing only 24 games in his rookie year, he averaged 22 and a half points per game. Start off his rookie year at the age of at the at the age of 18. An 18 year old. In, in the NBA. Then his second year, he put up 27 points per game. He's averaging through two seasons, that, through the two seasons that he's played, 85 games total. He's averaged 25.7 points per game, seven rebounds and 3.2 assists while shooting 60% from the floor. I mean, obviously, the main issue is him staying healthy. But if he can stay healthy, I don't see why you don't give him that max extension. Hmm. If he's healthy and can put the numbers, maybe I will consider it. I mean, I don't see how you wouldn't. Well, um, obviously, yeah, the, the health issue is a big thing. It is. And I, I think it is some sort of cause for concern, the fact that he missed an entire season due to a foot issue that he, that he ended up suffering in his second year, which that could be cause for concern. But let's keep in mind Clay Thompson missed what two years with an injury yes where he had back-to-back breaks now obviously clay thompson is a much different player clay thompson was a more dominant shooter Mm -hmm. but at the same time the thing that zion has going for him is he's young you know yeah that's true he might have missed he might have missed this whole year, but uh, from all report, from all indications, reports have, have said that he looks to be in perhaps the best shape that he's been in in his entire career, going even going all the way back to high school. So you know, if I'm if I'm a Pelicans fan, I believe there's yeah. optimism for next season that you could potentially see a right. big season out of Zion if he can stay healthy. Oh, he hasn't been healthy so far. So far, yeah, he hasn't been. But uh, 
I got some bad news for your Knicks, uh, Lou. First, the first bit of the first bit of news: the New York Knicks front office, according to Kurt Helen of NBC Sports, they have had internal discussions about bringing back Carmelo Anthony. All right. With with Melo being 38 years old, he wants to he wants to close mm-hmm. out his career somewhat meaningful, somewhere meaningful, and it sounds like the Knicks want to bring him back to the place where he spent seven seasons. Each one of them happen. I mean, there has been rumor about that for a long time that they wanted to bring back Carmelo. So, um, and now he's now they're finally going to try to do it. I mean, this I think has been in the works for a while. So it doesn't surprise me. However, though, before they before they potentially bring him back, they got to find a point guard to run their team. Good luck with that one. And uh, some of the names that have popped up as options are Jalen Brunson and Tyus mm-hmm. Jones as names that they're considering going after. They don't want uh, in addition, you know, Julius Randle, it sounds like more than likely we're probably going to see him uh, potentially uh, be shipped out or move, you know, the Knicks move on from him. Uh, but Anthony, you know, at 37 years old last year, he was pretty productive still as a member of the of the Lakers bench. He averaged 13.3 points per game in 26 minutes per game. So... I mean, him returning to the Knicks wouldn't be all that bad for, you know, for uh, for Knicks fans. They would have, uh, you know, obviously Melo can't start anymore, but Melo could provide some a useful veteran presence off of that bench. Yeah. And he's showing that he can still shoot at a high level as well. So... That's definitely something that could that could work well. That I, I feel could work well for the Knicks. Uh, one other thing too, though, is the Chicago Bulls apparently have been doing their research on uh, Knicks center Mitch Robinson, according to Mark Berman of the New York Post. Uh, basically. The Knicks, they dodged a bullet when the Pistons dropped to fifth in the upcoming draft, which lessens their chances at taking Chet Holmgren, uh, which means that the Pistons are less likely to pursue Mitch, Mitch Robinson. However, the Bulls are still looking into him ahead of the free agency period on July 1st, and they'll be the main competitors for New York uh, if New York is unable to lock him up to a contract extension by June 30th. Yeah. Uh, and Chicago does have around $49 million in cap space to use. And while they haven't committed to Zach Levine yet, uh, it's money. It's, it, it's enough money to possibly not just keep Levine, but also potentially sign Mitchell Robinson as well on top of all that. So it's possible, Lou, that you might be seeing a few changes get made uh, to that New York, uh, that New York Knicks team this I'm offseason. Sure. Uh, let's see. Very well. 
Also, this past Wednesday, uh, the NBA and the Players Association apparently held a preliminary meeting back in Boston to discuss the collective bargaining agreement, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, Both sides can opt out of the current deal this upcoming December, and sides are are beginning to prepare for serious talks on a new CBA across the coming months. Uh, There's been a lot of chatter about the impending repercussions of players such as Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving and their decisions that they made this season, and in Irving's case over the last few seasons, to miss games without a legitimate reason while still being paid. Uh, There is a growing expectation that the owners will want to put an end to situations like this where players still get paid while they miss games, which – I mean, obviously, that makes a lot that makes a lot more sense. I do think that if a player is injured, they should still be able to get yeah. paid. But if it's something like yes. Irving and if it's something like Irving and Simmons have done, then yeah, no, that has to be nipped in the bud. No, uh, we can't do that. But it looks like that is likely going to be one of the big talking points at the table during this bargaining season. Uh, when they discussed the collective bargaining agreement. What are your thoughts on that, Lou? Do you think uh, both sides are going to be able to come to a uh, come to an understanding and maybe well, will avoid so. uh, may, maybe will avoid uh, having a potential lockout like we saw with uh, Major League Baseball? That would be devastating, especially at that time of the year, because that's the prime season when basketball starts. To have that taken away. Uh, could do very serious, well, very serious consequences on the season. So I'm hoping that they can get something done before uh, they decide to opt out. Yeah, because if they if the, if if they can't get if they can't get uh, a decision made, you know, it was bad enough going through the Major League Baseball lockout. Uh, yeah, the NBA. You know, I don't know. I don't know what would be worse for sports, whether it would be the baseball lockout or the major or or uh, the or a potential NBA. Well, lockout. the major league lockout. That's started mostly in the off season. This is during the season, so I think that would be more devastating from that point. That's true. Yeah, that that would probably be more. Yeah, I, for, I forgot they do play during December. Uh, yeah, that would be. Yeah. Uh, Quite a quite a huge uh, quite a huge difference compared to Major League Baseball. Uh, let's see, uh, just a bit of an update here in Game Six. Uh, Tampa Bay still leads one nothing over the Rangers in a must-win game for the New York Rangers with about eight minutes to go. But the good news for the Rangers is they are on the power play, power play. Uh, for the next for the next uh, minute and forty-five seconds or so. So uh, we will keep an eye on that I game. I hour forty-five and, minutes. That'd be so. That'd be interesting. Oh yeah, I wish. Uh, you yeah. know, while we're at Get it, Lou, we're gonna move. We're gonna move on to the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we do currently know one of the two finalists uh, for this year's Stanley Cup, and that is the Colorado Avalanche, who made short work of yeah. the uh, Edmonton Oilers in what many would consider another epic meltdown by this Oilers team that, you know, for, for, 
for a team that has what many would consider the next Wayne Gretzky in Connor McDavid, well, they can't they can't do shit to provide a contending team around him. No. All right, well, let's just go through that series uh, first of all, Lou. Colorado swept. Uh, too strong. They're too strong. And, I mean, just taking a look at some of these games, you know, first yeah. they outscore Edmonton 8-6 to six in game one. Then they, out, then they shut out Edmonton 4 to nothing. They then uh, beat Edmonton four to two, and then they win six to five in overtime. And keep in mind, this is all with a backup goaltender that they won right. all of these games. With a backup goaltender, I mean, even you know, even if the Lightning or the Rangers win this series, whoever it is. And right then and there, the Rangers have now tied this up on the power play. It looks like it's Jacob Truba with the uh, with the game tie the game tying goal here. Uh, uh, you were saying no, about actually, that with the Tampa. <laughs> oh, wait a minute! No, actually, it's Frank Vetrano who got the game tire. Right. All right, let me add, let me add on Alex. Hey guys. Uh, Alex, Alex, it's a perfect Alex time for here. you to be calling in. Good timing. Uh, nice. We're talking about the we're talking about the Rangers game right now, and in particular, you know, we all, we also were discussing uh, the Stanley Cup fi- the potential Stanley Cup Finals matchups as a whole. Uh, you know, the Colorado Avalanche they they just outright dominated the Oilers. And ba- wow. basically embarrassing, basically embarrassing the Oilers once again, uh, for a for a team that considers to that considers themselves to have the next Wayne Gretzky. Oh, what was that? I was so Steve, I was driving down to my. Back. I was driving down to New York. I was listening in the car, and I just unloaded my car and was walking upstairs. So I guess they tied it when I got out of the car. They just scored. Oh, they didn't just yeah, tie it. Stamkos, yeah, Stamkos. Somehow, I thought Shesterkin made that save, but Stamkos just get, yeah. just gave him. Where did that? Oh, where did come that go? On. Oh wow! It went right over. Shesterkin did not make the save. It actually went. It went off of his shoulder. Oh, and Shesterkin. Oh. Shesterkin is trying to argue that it's interference. Uh, that it, oh, it went off of. No, that, off that went off of Stamkos, I think. I'm not. I'm not watching it. Is it? Is that going to be no goal? I don't know. Let's see. It goes off of Shesterkin's glove. Then it goes off. I think it went off of. It's hard to tell if it went off of Stamkos's glove as Stamkos was finishing the drive. They're doing it now. They're reviewing it now. It's very hard to tell. Like if you were to watch the replay, Alex, it's very hard to tell if it if it goes off of Stamkos or not. But it looks like it went. Yeah. No, it's a good goal. It's a oh, yeah. wow. Yuck. How much? Uh, that how is much a, time is. 
Five minutes? About six and a, six and a half minutes left. Okay. Well, hey, the that is a score huge. Stuff. That is a huge goal for Tampa and a very unfortunate uh, circumstance for Igor Shesterkin because I don't think there was any other way he could have made that save. It looked like he had it in his glove. And then all of a sudden, it just bounced out out of nowhere. Wow. Oh, wait a minute. No, that replay there, actually, that replay there, Lou, to me, it kind of looks like it went off of Stamkos. Yeah. With Stamkos going going towards – yeah, it it does officially count as a goal – so it's Stamkos' wow. second of the uh, of the game. Hey guys, p- paint paint the picture for me since I'm just I'm just I'm not watching it. Was uh was like the coaching staff or anyone else yelling for the Rangers or was it just Igor trying to argue about it? Uh, it looks like it, they didn't show the coaching staff. It, it looked like it was mainly Igor that was uh that was trying to uh that could, that, that could be like the uh, glorious uh, almost season-ending play. That's yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I assume that they had the Rangers. Uh, I think the Rangers did challenge it. Uh, you know, they, they they didn't really show the coaching staff at all. Uh, mainly, wow. they were focusing on Igor, on Igor's reaction. But uh, mm-hmm. I assume that 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 the play was challenged. Do you and uh, ultimately. Compared to other pro sports, do you, uh, since I'm just starting to watch more hockey, I don't, I haven't watched as much as you guys overall. Do do coaches get as animated and challenged and get loud like, you know, NBA or NFL coaches? Do they go out to the refs at all? Uh, hockey seems like they're a little bit. They just don't do that as much. Yeah, well, you know. know, from what I've seen out of Bruce Cassidy this year, Bruce Cassidy, who by the way we'll talk about in a bit here after he got unceremonious, unceremoniously fired by, uh, by Cam Neely and Don Sweeney. Uh, Cassidy, every single challenge that he would lose, he was basically the equivalent. He was the equivalent <laughs> of, uh, of uh, what's his face, uh, Lou Pinella. When Lou Pinella managed <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Cassidy was basically the equivalent. I mean, he, his face would get his face would get so red on some of the challenge on some of the challenges that he lost. Yeah. So I mean, I guess it depends on the type of coach that you have. The yeah. type of coach, like his demeanor and everything. Uh, I would think but. I would in such a in such a big right. spot like tonight, I would think the Rangers staff would be going ballistic. They're, oh, I'm sure they probably their, uh, are. But fighting they, for their seats, they're fighting for their season. Who knows if the Rangers are even back in this spot for the next ten years? They're in the final four. Exactly. This is yeah. exactly. And, and you know, I'm I'm sure they pro- I'm sure they probably I'm sure they probably did uh, cause a you know cause a stir, but they didn't show it at all. On uh, on uh, TV, so so I don't know, but you know, 
I can't really say I'm surprised at the current situation right now because, as I said earlier, no. uh, you know, it's Tampa Bay. You know, if you were to enter the entering this season, if you were to to be asked, <coughs> like, who, which team would you think had the had the best opportunity to you know to represent their conference in the or you know in the Stanley Cup Finals this year? I would have said right from the get go, Tampa Bay. They're already two yeah. time, they're already uh, you know a two time defending Cup champions. They got if if there's any team uh, in recent memory that has had the best opportunity at uh, at being a three time champions, Tampa mm-hmm. Bay is definitely that team. Wow! So I mean, there's just there's just too much talent on that roster. And keep in mind, they're been, winning tonight. Been, they're yeah. winning tonight without Braden Point too. Wow. Yeah, there was time now, that Lou, not, Lou talked about this. Lou said it. Uh, uh, you guys have both echoed how uh, stacked Colorado. I mean, who, who's who's better, Colorado or Tampa? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, to me, keep in mind, it's impressive the fact that, that Colorado swiftly dominated – the last couple of playoff series with a backup goaltender. Yeah. Wow, that's remarkable. I and mean, many they they're scoring per game. Often, I mean, they they scored at least four goals a game. So five averages five goals per game. That's crazy. Yeah, Jesus. You know, no, maybe it's, it's just because maybe it's because of the fact that. Edmonton didn't have as good of a goal. I mean, they have Mike Smith as their starting oh, yeah. goaltender. They have Mike Smith as their starter. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, uh, you know, Mike Smith is um, is much different than uh, than say Andre Vasilevsky or Igor Shesterkin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I said th- I said this last week. I said out of the four remaining goaltenders in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The lowest ranked is Mike Smith because I, I would even rank I would even rank Colorado's backup goaltender ahead of Mike Smith because Smith wow. in big in big situations he never shows up and that's Amazing dated all the way back to his time with the Coyotes. Amazing, he still has a big job then. I mean, I know it's a premium position, but there's there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of goalies. Maybe someone else deserves a shot over him. I mean, if he yeah. continuously sounds is, like. If he if he sounds like someone who just consi- consistently comes up short at such an important position, get someone else. Right. You know. You know. The 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 big problem is is that they have so much money uh, dished out to all of their all of their uh, you know all of their forwards or defensemen that oh, there's yeah. barely any money to give to yeah. goaltenders. So. Wow, you know, obviously that's why they have to go with Mike Smith as their starter because they don't really have enough money to dish out, you know, to another another person they could name as a starting goaltender. Interesting. I'm I'm looking at him right now. I didn't I didn't realize he's up there. He's forty. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, makes, the, he, makes, he, uh, he spent most of his career. 
he spent most of his career with Phoenix slash Arizona. Then he makes $1.9 million, which is uh, got to be very affordable for a goalie, I would think. Lower end, right? Yeah. $1.9 million. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's basically that's basically money you give to a backup goaltender. Oh wow! Like, sorry, if man. You're looking I, at a starter. I, I, I'm not. A, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm getting more and more excited and learning more about hockey again. <laughs> like I used to, but yeah. I mean, yeah. If I'm running a team, if I'm running a team, that's the most important position, probably. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if you, <laughs> you know, if you're looking, if you're looking at a starter, you're looking at, at the very least. Three, maybe three and a half mil for a starter. Three million, starter, yeah. Interesting. Like, for example, uh, uh, Linus Olmark of the uh, Boston Bruins. He makes about five million dollars to be the to be the starter for Boston. Really? Now, obviously, Boston Boston overpaid though because Boston, uh, right? With Tuka Rask's with Tuka Rask's uh, future being in doubt. Boston didn't want to lose out on Olmark uh, in free agency, so they gave him uh, about five million per year. But then again, this is the same team that gave uh, Nick Foligno three point eight million dollars per year to be a fourth line winger. Wow! Pay a fourth line winger second line money. Uh, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking at. I'm deep, I'm deep diving. I'm I'm just researching Mike Smith for the first time, really, and they they have a highlight of him online too. Of it, I guess that that was a wicked epic fight against Cam Talbot, the goalie brawl. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm watching. Yeah, I went right to watch. I, I started watching that right away. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely. Uh, I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. There there are definitely highlights of uh, <laughs> sure. of him for sure. By, by the like way, pretty, a, a bit of a pretty bad, a bad. bit of a minors, a bit of a minors update. Uh, the Springfield Thunderbirds just defeated the Laval Rocket three to two in overtime. So the Eastern Conference Finals for the AHL, Springfield leads the Laval Rocket three to two. Uh, Springfield, mm-hmm. of course, is the affiliate of St. Louis, while the Laval Rocket, the I believe. I believe the uh, yeah I believe the Laval Rocket are the affiliate of I think the Canadiens. I could be wrong. Montreal. Yeah, I think it is Montreal that they're the affiliate of. Uh, but uh-huh. uh, right now it is three to two in the series. Springfield Springfield has the chance to close it out and advance to the Calder Cup Finals for the first time since they were the Springfield Indians. Uh, as for the Western Conference Finals, the Chicago Wolves with a three-to-one series lead over the Stockton wow. Heat. Oh, yeah. Steve, one, one last uh, one last Mike Smith tidbit. Now, now that I'm in love with researching him right now, I just got got into my girlfriend's <laughs> place. He, he has another. Uh, yeah. Now he's showing highlights of him hitting people. Mike Smith's a goon. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, if he wasn't. If he wasn't a goaltender, he damn sure would have been an enforcer. <laughs> yes, kind of like, but he sounds like he's not uh, definitely not elite. But hey, he's he's a he's a gritty guy. And we got yeah, fifteen point one seconds left. So it looks like uh, this might be curtains on the uh, New York Rangers season here. 
That went away. Empty net, and even with the even with that shot, that last shot attempt though, that there was no there was no room in that last shot attempt. I got it at twenty twenty three seconds left here. I got it on a uh, on 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 the internet right now. You probably have a delay. Yeah. Little, yeah, because delay. he has it. He has it on the uh, on the internet. That's why. Uh, right. Right. Stoppage off a shot that went into the crowd, and now it's uh, yeah, 15 seconds left. Stoppage yeah. in the in the in the Tampa zone. Mm. I mean that that last that last shot attempt, there was no space whatsoever for uh, uh, on the right good. side. So yeah, tough angle, but good. He had a, got a good blast on it. Yeah, he yeah, got a good angle. blast. Problem is, even even if it was down a little bit, it still probably would have been saved because there was. It didn't seem like there was really any room for uh, for yes. the shot to get through. Good observation. Yep. Wow. This is it. So, this is it. This is it. 16.1 seconds uh, face off here. Yeah, one by eight. the Rangers. Looks like... Go like five or six forward here, right? All, all offense. Yeah. Uh, looks, looks like we are... Headed for a Tampa. Yep, we're headed for a Tampa okay, Colorado win, Stanley Cup win. final. Oh man, yeah. Rangers were so. Excuse me, I had mm. to barf. Oof. Here's the problem, though. The problem. The problem here is that it. I think it, it all depends on. Maybe it's the fa- maybe it's just the fact that Tampa Bay has been has been facing more defensive teams in this playoff maybe. compared to Colorado. Maybe, but obviously Colorado, you know, they have more scoring power. The question is, is it is it has it been the fact that Tampa Bay has faced more defensive teams, or probably. Or is it just that Tampa, or is it just that Tampa Bay doesn't have the scoring power that they've had in in previous seasons? No, I think That's it's more why some teams. of the scores have been low. <laughs> yeah, but the thing, right, you know, the scoring's to, been up this year. Yeah, and another thing to keep in mind too, you know. They're gonna have to be. Uh, they have. They have uh, uh, Vasilevsky as their goaltender. That's much nice. different than much different than Mike Smith. So you know, Colorado ain't gonna be facing a Mike Smith in this uh, in this uh, Stanley Cup final. Mm. So that's definitely. When uh, finals begin? I think, I think that is a matchup okay. to keep an eye on. In this uh, in the Stanley Cup final, so emotional. The Rangers had such a magical like push to get this far, and then just just falling that short. It's crushing. Yeah. They'd rather lose probably five zero than that kind of that kind of loss. I would. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Would, I they thought they, thought they had it. Hmm. I you know I yeah. probably I probably would too because you 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 just got you got to think of the road that the, that this Rangers team has had to go through uh, the last yeah. couple of years. It seemed like they finally built up a roster that uh, was worthy of being a contender. And 
I mean, there, there's been, you know, they 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 got Capo Caco, they got Alexis Lafreniere. Uh, Caco, I believe, was actually benched for tonight's game. I got to double check that, but I think he was benched for tonight's oh, match. That might have been the difference. How good is he, and how good is the other number one? What Alexander? What Lapierre? Lapierre? Yeah, Alexis. They better be damn good. Yeah, are, they both, are they both on the way to be stars, me, or are they kind of busts? Are they busts? Uh, Lafreniere, his first season was uh, – oh, let me put it this way. He had a better season this year compared to last season. You know, okay. Lafreniere, yeah. he has, through two seasons, he has totals of 31 goals, 21 assists for 52 points. Uh He's not playing. I think it's. I think it's abundantly clear that he's playing obviously much tougher opponents compared yeah. to what he played uh, through in his junior career. Good call. So yep. I think there's still yeah. there's still definitely a learning curve for Lafreniere. But he's adjusting. Yep. Yeah, I mean he had he led the QMJHL in his final year with 35 goals and 77 assists. I know, for, I know, uh, I know. For Ramuski. Yeah, previous to getting, I know, I know coming up, he's had dominating uh, statistics. Yeah, I think he's probably just adjusting still to the pro game. I mean, obviously, you know, he's facing much different, a much different level of competition compared yeah. to uh compared to what he's faced previously. Uh Capo Caco Yeah Caco had a he had a pretty disappointing season this year. Seven goals, eleven assists. This may have been his worst productive season this year. Mm-hmm. Now he's a like little if you compare them Caco's a little bit more physical, right? Lafarrier is more finesse and Caco can hit a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, yeah. Lafreniere is definitely more of the uh, definitely more of the playmaker as opposed to uh, Kako, who I believe is more of a two-way forward. I think. Gotcha. Uh, but Kako, his first year had ten goals, thirteen assists, twenty-three points. Then, since then, it's basically dropped off. Like he had a seventeen-point season last year, and he had a six, or he had an eighteen-point season this year. So, I don't know. You know, I think it's it's hard to tell with Kako whether or not he's a bust. Uh, Lafreniere, yeah. there's still there's still adjustment time for Lafreniere, Very but Lafreniere is at least Lafreniere is at least making improvements. Uh, but for for Kako to have been it seems like let, let me let me take a look. I believe, yeah, I believe he got benched because he isn't listed as playing tonight. I don't think. So clearly, you know, right not, now, right now, when you good. when when you look at the two, when you look at the at the two players, uh, clearly Lafreniere is the more the more talented of the two from what we from what we've seen so far. Gotcha. Speaking of the Rangers roster now, after this big run, do they have any people that are going to be like leaving or retiring, or are they in good shape next year? Oh, I'm sure there'll be some changes made. 
they're going to add people, you know, I mean, with that money and that, that run, now they're going to load up, I think, for next year. Mm. Uh, yeah, I would hope, I would hope that they can, uh, that they can load up. Let me, let me take a look real quick, actually, and see where they are right now. Uh, good time. I think for re- it's a good, uh, it's a good time now that they're gone, gone to see, you know, kind of look what they might be able to do to get get even a little bit better next year. They got they're going to have to go through yeah. again if they want to get Yeah, let me see free agents. Who do they have for free agents this year? They got Ryan Strom, they got Andrew Kopp. Capocacco is a free agent. He's restricted though, so uh more than likely he will be back with New York. Um Frank Petrano is a free agent. Uh, George Ev is a free agent. Vetrano, he had 32 points this year. I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah, 18, 18 goals. Wow. Was Reeves was Reeves a scratch again? Ryan Reeves was he a healthy scratch again? I really liked him. I don't know. Uh he might have been. I let me look. Box is he that? Or... Is he? Is he like not? Is he not a threat to score at all? I mean, why are they healthy scratching? Like, he's one of their emotional leaders. Yeah, I don't see Reeves on the list here. He was a healthy scratch, and it looks like so was Capo Caco. Wow. I would have never guessed uh, Caco. I mean, he's like number what number two overall pick, and he's wearing sweatpants yeah. in this game. That's, that's pretty pathetic. That's pretty alarming. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, not, uh, not the time you want to get benched. No, exactly. It's definitely it's definitely okay. Let's see the scratches. Uh, yeah, Kako was a scratch. Ryan Reeves was a scratch. Uh, any notable? Looks like those are the only two main guys from what I can see here. Um, Tampa Bay they won without Braden Point, so. Point maybe he'll be available for game one of the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, point was pretty much, I think, the only main guy that Tampa Bay was missing. Yeah. And, you know, it's unfortunate for the Rangers, but they ran into Vasilevsky, who's basically a brick wall every single time he's facing elimination. So. Yeah. It's, unfor- it's unfortunate, but he's you know, he's one of the best of of his career so far. He's one of the best goaltenders whenever he faces elimination. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, I'm reading so, some Twitter stuff. Uh, so, Strom came back, but he's apparently yep. we was playing very injured. So, they let him, yep. an injured player, play over a healthy Kaka. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, Strom Strom put up fifty four points this year. That that's true. Yeah, I mean, if he can skate at all, you got to get him out there. But I mean, looking at mm. just looking at who's due for a massive payday, Strom is likely due for a massive payday. Andrew Kopp is due for a massive payday. They're not going to be able to keep both of them. They're going to have to keep yeah. one and get and have to get rid of the other. Uh, Strom had a four and a half million dollar cap hit this year. Cop had a three point six million dollar cap hit. Uh Vetrano, he was on the hook for two and a half mil this year. Uh maybe I would assume he'll probably make around the same amount, 
maybe a little bit higher, maybe three mil next year. Uh, let's see. Justin Braun is also a free agent, but I don't know. He's going to be 36. Maybe he might potentially hang yeah. him up. Uh, Sammy Blaze is set to be a free agent, but he's restricted. So maybe he might be back with New York. Uh, let's see. Is there anybody else? Well, they do have a lot of people actually, but I think, uh, I think some of these guys might be minor league. Um, pretty much the major guys be Strom, Cop, Kako, Vetrano, and Georgiev. I mean, Strom put up one more point this year than Cop did. Yeah. Cop had 53 points, 21 goals, 32 assists. Strom had 21 goals, 33 assists. So, you know, it's literally just a one-point difference. But mm. uh, in terms of age, Cop is actually younger by about a year. So maybe perhaps that might play uh, play a bit of a factor uh, in their decision-making. Uh, but Kako, I would assume he would probably be back, or maybe if he does sign with another team, the Rangers could potentially try and get some uh, some draft compensation back if they qualify him, uh, if they tender him a qualifying offer. Uh, Vetrano, I don't know about Vetrano because, I mean, they acquired him, but I think it's possible that he was just a rental. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe perhaps it's possible they might re- they might re-sign both Strom and Cop. If they get rid of Vetrano, if they get rid of Braun, uh, Georgiev, let's see, what did he do this year? Georgiev was, he had 15 wins in 33 games. Uh, What was his total stat line, though? 15 wins, 10 losses, 2.92 goals against average, and an eight, ugh. An eight point nine or an eighty nine point eight save percentage. Ugh. Uh, that's, yeah, you you might Not potentially good. Good. save a little bit. I think I think it's possible the Rangers could save a little bit of money with Georgiev's contract, so maybe he might not ask for as much. So that could play a little bit of a role. Uh, I would expect that Justin Braun, they may decide to try and go younger on defense. So Justin Braun, uh, granted he only makes about 1.8 mil, but I mean, he's going to be 36 or 37. So he's probably, he's probably on his way out. Hmm. Uh, and Sammy blaze. I mean, they can basically sign him for, Close to what he made this year, about one and a half mil, which I assume they're probably going to keep him. Uh, they also got Libor Hajek, who is uh, – Hajek could actually step in and, and replace Braun if they need to. Uh, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, there's a couple of others, but for the most part, you know, the main free agents uh, that – New York should really look at potentially re-signing our Strom, Cop, Kako, Vetrano, and Georgiev for the most part. 
So, uh, now let me look actually. Let me look at what their cap hit is in particular. Because that all depends, obviously, uh, in terms of whether or not they'll even be able to afford. It looks like their cap space right now is about, okay, they're going to have about, I think, 10. Yeah, that doesn't look good. They're going to have about $10 million worth of cap space. So I think they're definitely going to have to be some sacrifices made, I think. Without any question. Because Hmm. they already already have about 11.6 mil going to Artemi Panarin. They got... Adam Fox with nine and a half mil. They got Mika Sabinajad at eight and a half. They got Truba at eight. They got Kreider at six and a half. Shesterkin is making 5.6. Bar- uh, Barclay Goodrow, who might I say, this is still, I-, I don't know why you would give a fourth liner this amount of money, but then again, I, I should say the same thing about the Bruins. Uh, they gave, they gave Barclay Goodrow 3.6 mil. Uh, Lindgren is making three mil. Nemeth is making two and a half. Scheidel is making two and 2.3. And Lafreniere is still on his rookie deal. So I think it's possible. Uh, I, th- I think they may have to decide between either Strom or, uh, or Cop. I don't think that they can afford to keep both around unless they make some sort of some sort of move to send out one of their other high salary players. Hmm. Interesting. I just don't see it happening though. Uh, now I have a bone to pick. Those contracts are so crucial. Yeah, sorry, just to add on your great point. Those, Those contracts, the GM's job, as you know, if you give too much money to the wrong guy or to a lazy guy, then some of your players want to leave or other free agents kind of don't want to go there. Or if you don't pay a guy enough or, you know what I mean? Or if you don't have enough money to pay a good guy, there's a, so much money crunching uh, numbers crunching. It's, I mean, yes. those, those contracts are just so crucial to get them right. If you get them wrong, you really mess up your whole team. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, hell, take a look at the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins are in uh, are in cap hell right now, which is why I have a bone to pick with a certain general manager uh, who somehow has not been fired yet, uh, Don Sweeney, because he's part of the boys club with uh, with his uh, with his with his teammate and current president of the Bruins, Cam Neely. All of a sudden, oh, they feel that they got, they have a gigantic. They have a gigantic head because they were such great players that all of a sudden they feel that they can be great uh, front office guys. When yet, no. To be real, to be realistic, Sweeney has been more missed than hit when it comes to his front office decisions. Uh, 
And I believe they had a gigantic miss here when they decided that, hmm, our problem isn't drafting. Our problem is that we don't have – our head coach isn't getting to our players. So let's fire Bruce Cassidy, who has been yeah. – uh, obviously, uh, you know, obviously when he replaced Claude Julien – you know, the, they probably couldn't have gotten a better coach than Bruce Cassidy. Uh, just to bring up his stat line here, through six years with the Boston Bruins, 245 wins, 108 losses, and 46 shootout or overtime losses. He made the finals every – or not the finals. He made the playoffs every single year he was in Boston. He, he lost the Stanley Cup Finals in seven games to St. Louis back in 2019. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Boston fell short this year because they, uh, they, they, fell, they fell in seven games to a team that has had their number all year long in Carolina. Boston put up 107 points this year in the standing. Wow. Wow. And apparently yeah. Cam Neely decided that a change was needed. <laughs> so he had his little stooge, obviously uh, Bruce Cassidy, or no, he had his little <laughs> stooge, Don Sweeney, to li- drive out to Bruce Cassidy's home. <laughs> Bruce Cassidy lets him in just to awesome. tell Bruce, uh, yeah, you're fired. <laughs> right, After, Bruce didn't uh, mind, knock him out. He's not on his doorstep. He should have knocked him out. Now, keep in mind, this is three weeks after Bruce Cassidy was told that his job was safe. Isn't that, isn't that how, how it often how it happens too many times? Oh, yeah, they're safe, and then they get fired. Yes. I'm kind of wondering if there's a power struggle. I'm kind of wondering if there's a power struggle going on between – Cam Neely and and uh, and Don Sweeney as mm-hmm. president president versus general manager because I think you nailed it. Oh, of course, there's no and I, and I think and I think you really uh you're very eloquent and well spoken about um just describing. I didn't really know about that, but yeah, obviously they're like both two former big name players, so I can imagine their egos and like you said, they probably think they're like you know genius uh, front office. Just because they were great players, it does not always happen that way. A.K.A. Michael Jordan running the Hornets into the ground, pretty much. Yeah, now I'll yeah, give Cam Neely this. I'll give Cam Neely this. He did deliver a Stanley Cup to Boston as the president yes, in he did. 2011. He did okay. deliver a Stanley Cup in 2011. So, but, I mean, to to say that coaching was the problem here and but Cam Neely was very critical this is what makes me think it was a Cam Neely decision because he was very critical of Bruce Cassidy following the uh during this season he was very yes. critical of him and even though Cassidy even though Cassidy had the second best actually no he had the best record as Bruins head coach that he had uh, – actually, no, I shouldn't say that because he had 
the yeah, he had the second best record uh, in his Bruins coaching tenure this year with 107 points, 51, 26, and five. And obviously, he lost in the first round to Carolina. Uh, Meanwhile, you have Don Sweeney, who has had such a piss-poor job when it comes to, uh, to, to drafting that, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to point out the obvious here. Uh, they had three straight first-round picks in 2015. They had Matthew Barzell on the board. They had Kyle Connor on the board. They had Thomas Chabot on the board. I could name a whole list of players that were on their draft board. Evgeny Svechnikov, Ilya Samsonov, Brock Boser, Travis Konechny. There's a shitload of talent on that board that, yeah. was, that was still available. Anthony Bavillier. They decided to go Three straight first-round picks, number 13, number 14, and number 15. They went with Jacob Zaboral, who can't even stay healthy to play a full season. <laughs> they have Jake DeBrusque, who – I'm okay, Jake DeBrusque is maybe the only hit out of those three that they have uh, – that, that, that they had that year because he put up, like, I think it was 27 goals this year. And they had Zach Seneshin. Who can he? Who, he's basically a yeah. career AHLer so far. <laughs> the asshole, the asshole hockey league. <laughs> but yeah, and and yet they pass. They pass on Mark. They pass on Matthew Barzell, who number one could have been the successor to, to Patrice Bergeron. He could have been the successor to yeah. Patrice Bergeron as the uh, as a long time the long time first line center. Instead, he's now a star for the New York Islanders, putting up 59 points this year as their top-line centerman. Remarkable. Oh, and not to mention, not to mention, he has 38 career playoff points in the NHL. So he's proven that he's a playoff performer. But nope, instead, big-name Don Sweeney believes – he knows what he knows how to draft. He takes Jacob Zaboral, who has had a combined fifty-four games in in three separate seasons with the Bruins, putting up a combined total of twelve assists as a defenseman. Hasn't played a single playoff game. Wow. You have Zachary Seneshin, who. Zach Seneshin has played since he joined the Bruins organization in 2016-2017. He has only played a total of 16 NHL games, scoring one goal and recording two assists. And since then, he has basically been a career minor leaguer where literally his best season Actually, no, I shouldn't even say that. Zach Seneshin is no longer even with the Bruins. He's now with the uh, Ottawa Senators. But his best season in the minors was literally this year where he put up 19 goals and 15 assists for 34 points. Hmm. Not uh, After six not exactly, years. Uh, 
not not exactly an overwhelming uh, level of production. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, Jake. Meanwhile, Jake DeBrusque, he had in his second year, he had 27 goals, 15 points. Uh, this year, which was his fifth year in the league, he had 25 goals, 17 points. He finally got back to the uh, 20 or above goal mark after two seasons of below 20 goals. So hmm. I would say he's uh, – oh, and he is a playoff performer too, 30 uh, – 30 points in 66 games played. I'll take that. For the playoffs, I'll take that. Uh, I would say he's maybe the only hit that Don Sweeney had that year mm-hmm. in terms of drafting. Then he had Brandon Carlo, which, oh, my God. Car- yeah, Carlo is fine uh, as a, se- a second-round pick. He's fine. The problem is he's had too many concussions. Uh-oh. It's yeah. the problem is when he's a healthy player, and I sort of said the same thing about Zion Williamson uh, to Lou yes. before you came on, Alex. Okay. When when Carlo is when Carlo is healthy, he's a good player. He's definitely worthy of being a top four defenseman uh, on a on a hockey team. Speaking of but, concussions, you guys are the hockey gurus. Speaking of concussions, Sidney Crosby is still playing at a high level, and again, I'm still getting really back into hockey. Is he a risk to literally like have to retire after one more hit? Or, or I mean, that guy has been like a yeah. battering ram for injuries. He's got his body's got to be breaking uh, down a little bit, right? Yeah, but I, you know, I think he's had so many. He's had so many big, he's taken so many big hits throughout his career. Considering the amount of time he has left in the sport, I wouldn't really say he's at risk to where if he has one more, if okay. he takes one more big hit, like if he suffers another concussion, that that would be it. I like wouldn't really actually say that. Yeah. I mean, it would be different. It would be different if he suffered that concussion and yet he hasn't been able to bounce back. But from what we've right. seen, whenever he's suffered injuries, he's been able to bounce That's back. So, hmm. I mean, it would be different if, you know, if if it was a difference in it, a different situation. Absolutely, interesting. Uh, those those, uh, those those guys. I mean, especially in hockey, man. I mean, football probably used to be worse, but it's safer now. I still see just these these massive bone-rattling hits in hockey. I mean, these guys are tough as nails. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They uh, There's been quite a few collisions that uh, have yes. completely taken some players off of their – completely taken some players off of their skates, you know, off of the ice. It's – Yeah. It can, it can get pretty gruesome. You know, people people say that football is a, is a devastating sport – Hockey can pre- can be pretty devastating too. I mean, there's oh, been accidents so like uh, yes, equally. There's been equally accidents so. like equally, equally, equally big gruesome hits. Hockey and football are both right there together. Yeah. I don't I don't think you can say yes. football is. I don't think you can say football is harder on the body. I think hockey is just as like grueling and uh, potentially devastating. Some of these some of these hits. I mean, not just that, but there's no, also no. I think more... football's more devastating. 
You think so? There's more possibility. Yeah. There's more possibility for accidents though too in hockey because uh, there's been quite a there's been a couple of players who have caught skates to the throat. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, in particular. Obviously, flying into the boards, someone pushes, or they lose their footing and go head first on the ice into the boards. So, you got neck, neck, spinal injuries, obviously concussions. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say one or the other. It's tough to say it's it's more dangerous than football, but it's right there. It's right there. Yeah. But, you know, just looking at Sweeney's – Drafting history, obviously, you know the I'm a, I've only just dug into 2015 right now. Uh, Daniel Vladar, who they just traded away to Calgary this year, maybe somewhat of a hit because he is actually a backup goaltender in the league. So I guess okay, that may be a credit to Sweeney, uh, Charlie McAvoy, but that's a no-brainer. McAvoy was one of the top defensemen coming out of college anyways. Uh, Trent Frederick, a fourth-line center. Uh, maybe there's a possibility he could develop higher into a third- or second-line center, but so far we haven't seen it. Uh, Erho Vakanainen has not been able to even yeah. uh, be a full-time player yet, so that's another miss. Jeremy Swayman, who somehow the Bruins drafted in the fourth round, and he's been, you know, he's basically on the cusp of potentially becoming the Bruins' starting goaltender. Uh, I mean, he's definitely proven that he's well worthy of being on an NHL roster with some of the uh, some of the performances he's put uh, he's put on in net. Jack Studnika. I'm considering that as a miss right now because Studnika, while he's played in the NHL, he has not proven that he can stay in the NHL and stay in the yes. starting lineup. Uh, the rest of these guys are – the rest of the draft picks so far have not even seen the major leagues. I would say maybe nope. there's perhaps and, – and actually that, that last – bit of players that I just talked about was from 2017. We're now in 2022. Already? Five years. Wow. So, five five yeah. years gone, yeah. Yeah. So that, that should tell you right there the amount of uh, how poorly Sweeney has drafted. Uh, yes. I'd say maybe the one player, the one player that has the best opportunity of making the majors next year is Fabian Lysel who they drafted this year. Uh, He had a stellar year for uh, the Vancouver Giants of the uh, Western Hockey League, the WHL. So maybe perhaps he might make that jump. Uh, But other than that, I just don't, you know, drafting has been a very poor, a very poor job by Sweeney. Yes, and actually, I don't, I don't know. Twenty four, twenty fourteen, they drafted Pasternak. I don't know if if uh, Sweeney was GM back then or if it was twenty fifteen, but um, yeah. Needless to say, uh, I would say this is more on you know the the collapse by the Bruins this year is more on the general manager more than it is the coach. Yeah, and like- now, and now he's put. 
them in he's put them in cap hell once again after they were able to climb <laughs> out of cap hell. I mean, they only have eight million dollars of cap space to spend this free agency. Totally handcuffed. Yeah. And their best player, Patrice Bergeron, who, by the way, won his, his record fifth Selkie trophy for, uh, wow. for, the best, yes. for the best defensive forward in the league. Defenseman. Wow. I mean, they should probably rename the trophy after him at this point with uh, him winning it for the fifth Although time. Although the favor... The Bergeron. Well, there's there's been there's been analysts uh, on on like NHL Network that have said the exact that exact quote that uh, they should probably rename the trophy after him at this point. Anyway, wow. No, I think uh, he'll be dead. I'm sure, they'll eventually, at least when he retires, they'll they'll, they'll name they'll name that or another award for him if he's that yeah. if he's that head and shoulders above the rest. You know, yeah. I mean, so, he's so. Uh, Bobby. Let's put it this way. Not only did he win it for a record fifth time, this was his record 11th consecutive season that he was named a finalist for the trophy. Yep. That's incredible. Yeah. And that right there goes to show you that that's another waste of a season for the Bruins by Don Sweeney. The fact that they have they had one of the one of the top first lines in all of hockey with Brad Marchand, who by the way won't start next year because he's uh, un- he underwent hip surgery. Uh, Patrice yeah. Bergeron, who who may potentially either retire or go elsewhere because they don't have enough money to re-sign him, and David Pasternak, who now apparently is on the trade market according to rumors that are being spread around. Uh-oh, I know someone's not going to like that. <laughs> so, it looks like right now that the Bruins are, which, by the way, keep in mind, this makes absolutely no sense that they're headed for a rebuild when they literally just acquired a guy, uh, one of the, you know, one of the top, uh, I shouldn't say one of the top, but he's uh, arguably their second best defenseman that they have now uh, with uh, in, in Hampus Lindholm and the, and they signed him to a massive eight year extension. And now apparently they're going to decide, screw it. Let's re let's start the rebuild now, uh, which is by the way, God knows how many years too late. Uh, they waited until Bergeron aged up until Marchand aged up. And now they're talking about potentially getting rid of maybe their best scorer in uh, David Pasternak, who had 77 points with 40 goals, uh, 40 goals scored this year. Uh, wow. He's also a cold. I know he's going to hate that. Steve, I'm sorry. He's, he, or Lily, sorry, guys. He's, uh, just give me a rundown on him. Isn't he more like – he's kind of a veteran, right? He's like – Yes. Thirty maybe thirty two. Uh, twenty. No, he's twenty six. But he did. He oh, did wow. play okay. his. Uh, he played when he was eighteen years old. He made the he made yeah. the major league roster at the age of eighteen. That's awesome! Wow. 
right as he right as he got drafted. And that's incredible. His best season was a couple of years ago, actually, where he had 48 goals and 47, uh, 47 assists for 95 points in 70 games played. That's mind blowing. And yeah, so he's basically become a point per game player, and he's been that way for the past uh, close to five seasons. And now Boston's deciding at the age of twenty six, nah, we're gonna we're gonna uh, look at potentially getting rid of him. And uh, obviously he'll he'll get a massive haul, uh, whatever if they do decide to trade him. Unless Sweeney is that much of an idiot and decides to uh, to take uh, to take less than what he's worth, um, I'll just say this right now, you know, the, with the way the roster is constructed, obviously they're probably going to lose Bergeron, which that yes. greatly weakens their roster because they don't have a bona fide starting center. Uh, first-line center that could replace him. They would have had it in Krejci, but Krejci decided to play overseas this year. Uh, I mean, uh, the entire roster is almost completely banged up to the point of where there's like four or five different players who had surgery and may not even be able to start the season next year. So, at this point, I think it's entirely possible. Maybe, perhaps, the Bruins just didn't want to put Bruce Cassidy through a rebuild, and they decided. Yeah, I think so either. And they decided, well, let's just let's let him, you know, choose where he wants to go, and give him the opportunity to do so by firing him before. Uh, the off season officially begins. Huh. But uh, it's just, it's not looking good. You know, for, for me being a Bruins fan, I am not looking forward to, uh, I put it this way. I'd rather watch, I'd rather watch Celtics basketball, uh, moving forward. Really? than I'd rather see a, then I'd rather see a Bruins hockey game because That's I have the a work. feeling next season. Being salary cap strapped, like you said before, Steve, it's, that's the worst feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like not only can you not add anyone, now you're, you're totally pretty much screwed, and you have to almost like yeah. get rid of as like uh, Pasternak. And, you know, it's like you can't you, – you know it's coming. You know they're going to get paid probably not by you because you don't have the money. So it's like yeah. it can be heart, heart, heartbreaking. And it sounds GM like, move. too, they may even – they may even trade. Uh, they may even trade Marshand when he's fully healthy next year. Uh, and one of the teams I've heard two, two is the, the uh, two of their best players could be out the door soon. Yeah, and one one of the teams I've heard that may be in on the Marshand market is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Interesting. I've heard, as a matter of fact, in particular, I've heard Alexander Nylander potentially being one of the uh, pieces as part of a uh, as part of a deal for uh, for Brad Marchand. Uh, Pasternak. Wow. I mean, it's hard to tell with Pasternak because 
the rumor going around is that he will not re-sign with Boston next year. If Well, obviously, he has one more year left on his deal. Uh, he will not re-sign with Boston if Don Sweeney is still the general manager. He absolutely, uh, according, according to this report from is, from the Athletic, really Sweeney. Sweeney's really just tarnishing the, the franchise right now, huh? Sweeney sounds ridiculous. Not just Sweeney. That's, it's not. It's not just Sweeney, but it's. But a lot of people believe that Neely is playing a part in it as well. Wow. And you got, got the they got the egos, like you said. They think they're big time yeah. for their playing prowess. That it's not translating to be being good leaders at the front office, right? I mean, but it's different, you know. With uh, it's it's different when you have like Joe Sackick, for example, with the Colorado Avalanche. You know, the fact that he's uh, I believe he's part of their front office, or maybe maybe I'm thinking of. Uh, I might be thinking of Bill Guerin. I don't know. Um, Bill Guerin. Yeah, I think I think Guerin is like I think he leads like the Dallas front office or something, or maybe it's Colorado. Yeah, there are a couple of there are players. Huh? It's been a long time since I heard that name. Oh yeah, it's it's been a while since he played. So yeah, yeah I know. But ultimately, though, you know, it, it, it really does look like this is going to be the start of the the dark ages, I guess we could call, for Boston hockey. Um, oh, one bit of news I forgot to mention. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche will be without Nazem Kadri for the rest of the postseason. Oh, yeah. As he underwent surgery to repair an injured thumb that he suffered uh, as a result of of the uh, of the hit by Evander Kane into the boards. I believe it was during Game Three, uh, where uh, Kane, of course, ended up being suspended for Game Four. But uh, Kadri took a hit into the boards at the beginning of the first period of Game Three. He was ruled out for Game Three for the rest of Game Three and obviously Game Four. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like he will not be available for the for the rest of the postseason, which is kind yeah. of big considering he's he scored six goals and eight assists in thirteen games this postseason for the Colorado Avalanche. So that's actually a pretty significant loss for Colorado moving forward. And with the way they've been scoring, though, I'm not so sure it's going to matter. Well, you don't know. You know, you know, you never know. Like, like I said earlier, it could have been just a case of the fact that Colorado was just facing an easy as shit goaltender, mm. and that they may have more problems with Vasilevsky as opposed to uh, Mike Smith, who. The rapidly aging goaltender that has more holes than than the Titanic, basically. Right. But there is more holes. More holes than the Titanic. That's a classic line. I gotta. I gotta start. Using well, I mean, that. let's. 
I mean, let's be fair. The Titanic only had really one hole, a uh, one major hole in yeah, particular. It, it sounds great, though. That's a, that's a nice, that's a fun line. <laughs> Uh, there may be one other player that could potentially be retiring this off season. And obviously we, you know, there's been a huge laundry list of, uh, players that, uh, that have an, either announced or have been rumored to be retiring this off season. Uh, one other player to add to that list is Carrie Price, the goaltender for Ooh. the, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he is current because of his ailing knee that he's uh, dealing with. Uh, it's uncertain as to whether or not he will be playing. However, he will be approaching next season as if he will be playing. Uh, it just has to do with whether or not his knee can hold up, essentially, from what it sounds like here. Right. Which is very reminiscent of Tuka Rask. Uh, with his uh, with his labrum issue that he had, which is why Tuka Rask had to retire, uh, and he was limited to only five appearances this year because of the knee surgery, as well as, of course, a stint in the player assistance program uh, in regards to mental health that he had to uh, that he ended up going through. So. That could be yet another player that may potentially be be uh, calling it a career if his uh, if his knee can't hold up. Uh, some bits of NFL news: the LA Rams they restructured Aaron Donald's contract, uh, giving him an yeah. extra forty million over the next three seasons. Uh, they also re-signed Cooper Cup to a three-year extension through 2026. Uh, wow. this, so this basically this basically makes his contract now a five-year, 110 million dollar contract, uh, which puts him among the league's highest-paid wide receivers at 22 million dollars per year. Rightfully, uh, yeah, rightfully. Mean, amazing. He came back from major injury. He doesn't drop anything. He doesn't get in trouble. Yeah. He's a leader. He's yeah. a leader. Which makes sense. The, guy, I mean, the guy's absolutely elite. All-timer. All-timer. Yeah, which, I mean, it absolutely makes sense why he would, why they would extend him. Uh, and also, they extended Donald because, well, let's face it, they don't want him to retire. They want him to last more than eight seasons. Right. Uh, so, that was basically their I way still, of saying, still, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I, I didn't. I didn't want them to win. I don't. McVeigh. I know he's. I don't know. I, I just remember with Goff when he, he he was such a wuss, such a puss. Like remember they weren't taking any any chances. They basically gave the Patriots that Super Bowl, and then and then McVeigh got just gifted. He got he got uh, Stafford. I mean Aaron Donald. They added Jalen Ramsey. He has an All Star team now. So yeah, they won a ring. I just I don't for some reason I was never a big McVeigh fan. So I don't really like mm-hmm. to. Uh, pull for the Rams, but yeah, Cup and Donald are two class acts, and they're amazing yeah. players. So I gotta at least I gotta at least give their their some of their stars some respect. I'm just not a big McVay yeah. guy for some reason. I don't. I'm not a huge McVay guy. Yeah. He's one of those guys. Everyone's like, you know, oozes and gushes about him. Oh my God, he's a guru. I just remember he 
basically gave Bill a, a, a gave him like a gave Bill Belichick another Super Bowl ring. They they wouldn't even throw the ball downfield in the Super Bowl. Was the Rams score like seven points well, against the Patriots? Feeble, feeble. Yeah, he got he got he got completely out coached by Belichick. Yeah, uh, actually, and now, no, now they, they got. They barely, um, bro, sorry, but they and then just we, we like we all saw it, each of us saw it. They were they were like uh, one or two calls that they got gifted at the end of the Super Bowl. The, the Bengals should have won last year, I thought. Yeah. They could easily be zero and two, zero and two, and he had actually, and he had like an all, he's like an all, he's like an all star roster. So I'm not a huge McVay yeah, guy. Yeah, it was. It was thirteen to three, by the way, that McVeigh only put up three points against Belichick. <laughs> That's pathetic. Yeah. It was not, and I know golf isn't uh, Joe Montana, but dude, if you're if you're in a super, I mean, you have to at least take some chances. McVeigh was just like scared and ultra conservative. It was pathetic showing by him. Well, I mean, come on. He's going up. He he was going up against who uh, a lot of people argue is one of the best coaches of all time, if not the greatest coach of all time. So, no, but you can But I mean, you can't clam up. Here, head coach, you gotta you you lead your team, right? If he's if he's too yeah. afraid to take chances, then get get then don't be a head coach in the NFL, dude. I mean, you gotta like throw some balls and yeah. take some chances, especially yeah. to like you said to, to beat Belichick. You can't be you can't be like timid and conservative. You have to be you have to take no. uh, risky plays and really go balls to the wall to try to surprise the Patriots. I mean, you can't just like kind of roll over and let Belichick have his way. Yeah, know. exactly. Uh. Now, apparently, there is more on the Deshaun Watson situation. As <laughs> Here we go again. Apparently, according to a New York Times investigation, he met with 66 women for massage appointments over oh. a 17-month period. And <laughs> he was just named in a 24th civil lawsuit by another one of those massage therapists. <laughs> Man, happy uh guy really likes happy endings. I don't know. That's that's one what one girl a week for set for over a, a year and a half. Wow. Pretty much. Well it's one girl well it's one girl a week and two girls on Sunday. Oh <laughs> but still though Maybe this solo, is like uh, solo and it's in Solo and some small groups too along the way. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, he got he got cleared. Get he he got oh. he got cleared through the first he got he got cleared through the first twenty three lawsuits. And now all of a sudden, this twenty fourth one comes in. It's you know, it's it's almost like it's it's almost like they're just basically trying to keep their names in the. Uh, in the in the spotlight by having uh, oh let's have uh let, let's have let's have another girl uh you know yeah put out this allegation so that uh you know this hot shot lawyer can continue uh, can continue making money and keeping his name in the spotlight like he loves to do cuz i mean to Desha- Sean Watson he had gotten cleared of all of those of all of those allegations, and now apparently there's this new one that 
uh, was filed in Harris County, Texas, and she claims that in 2020 she massaged Watson without issue and the quarterback gave her $100 for her services. However, a few days later... A few, a few days later, during a second massage session with the quarterback, which she says took place at her apartment, he became very inappropriate. She claims in the lawsuit that, that Watson asked her to rub his inner thighs and then demanded she go higher and higher, which then caused her to touch his scrotum. And in the, do, in the documents that were filed, Williams claims that he eventually got an erection and then stood up and masturbated, and oh, his semen, and some of his semen ended up getting on her chest and face. And yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the details are just sorted and like uh, just gr- the grimier and more grimy. The more you listen about this, all this stuff, the Browns have to be yeah. going, "Oh my God, we, we took a we, they they knew it was." something was going on. They're like, oh, how, can we maybe get out of this deal? I mean, they look terrible. The, the fan base, I went to school out in Ohio. I think I mentioned that, Steve. So I have some, you know, a few friends back in the day that are Browns fans and Ohio State fans. Yeah. And they're like, they're like uh, a couple of them are huge football. Ohio's a huge, you know, everyone loves sports there. They're like, oh, man, they, they want to win. But they're like, this guy just seems like a real, real dirtbag. I, I don't know. I, that's got to be tough to, to bring him in. And the most important position in a franchise, and the guy's a total scum. How do you? If this is pretty even true, for, pretty tough if to root for is, that guy. It's not. It's not. It's not. Like he's a kicker or a uh, backup lineman. He's your leader. He's your quarterback. He's your face of your franchise. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's got to be tough as a Brown fan. If this is I, even I know, true, yeah. though. If this is even true. Yeah. I mean, I remember as I'm a, I'm a massive Eagles fan, as you know, and. Vic, Vic was tough, and he, but he repented. He he did time. I mean, Deshaun, it's like yeah. more and more stuff is coming out as he just got a huge contract. So they haven't even seen him play or win a game yet as Browns fans, and they're just dealing with all this horse shit in the uh, the media. Like, well, what do we what do we get ourselves into here? The season hasn't even started. <laughs> right. Jeez. Oh. I mean, they, the, you know the big, the big question. <laughs> The, Sorry, they, the and, and, and they, gave the, like, they, they gave him, like, the biggest contract ever, too. It's just pretty awful. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the biggest contract ever, and, I mean, it was a pretty hefty price that they gave up for him, too. Yeah. Just massive, to acquire massive. him. Yeah, and then and then it just keeps getting worse and worse. It's not going it's not going away or getting squashed. It's, it's like, multiplying every day with new stories. And it's like, wow, buyer's remorse? I, I don't know. Wow, wait, this coming out of UFC, let's see, I think UFC, what yeah. is it, 275 they're at now? This yes. just in out of UFC 275, uh, former former women's strawweight champion Joanna Jendracek uh, just retired from the sport after being knocked out with a spinning back fist by, by Weilei Zhang. Or Zhang Weilei, however they however they say it. Jendrychik uh, took off her gloves and left them left them inside the octagon, retiring with a career record of sixteen and five, uh, with 
I believe she was a I think she was a multi-time UFC champion, if I recall correctly. Uh, just to just to mention right there, pretty bit actually, yeah, she has a lot of uh, a lot of records actually. Five successful title defenses officially as the uh, as the women's strawweight champion, and uh, she may actually be, I think, the biggest female retirement for the UFC since since Ronda Rousey retired. Really? Yeah. But that literally just in just now, um, after she mm. after she suffered a knockout loss tonight. Um, but yeah, you, you know what's weird about these Deshaun Watson allegations is that, you know, with every allegation that comes out, it seems like they, it seems like they deliberately try to make it more and more graphic. Like, oh, so this uh, this uh, allegation didn't catch your attention. Well, how about this one? Uh, there was like there was one girl, for example, who said she was so traumatized by the incident that she. You know, she basically yeah, curled right. up in a uh, she curled up in a ball and sucked her fucking a little bum. ball, ball like <laughs> a uh, like a little baby basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> Take your ball and go home. Yeah. Uh, and you know, this incident supposedly left her humiliated and traumatized, uh, and she apparently quit massage therapy a, sh- a short time later. Uh, yeah, and this is the same. The, her attorney is the same guy who represented the other 23 women uh, in civil cases that that they lost against against Deshaun Watson. Um, it, uh, it's just it's become comical at this point, almost like it really has. He's been cleared of any wrong. He's been cleared of any wrongdoing out of the other cases, and all of a sudden, it's like. Let's present another case, and he'll finally be found guilty on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, it's, it's 24th, the 24th time is the charm. That's the, that's the, the deal breaker right there. I mean, to me, you know, I don't know, but it. I'm kind of I'm kind of getting the feeling that this is going to be another miss for a uh, big time attorney yeah. Tony Busby, but hey, at least he's getting that money <laughs> from all those suckers. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, who knows? Maybe it is true, and maybe may, maybe it is true, and maybe perhaps uh, you know Deshaun Watson finally. I would have to assume that there's some sort of clause that the the Browns would be able to, uh, you know, that they would be able to enact uh, if something does happen where Deshaun Watson has to, has to serve jail time or something. Yeah. That, and we were talking, you did a great job. Uh, what last week we were talking about this more. Yeah. I mean, now that this is coming out too, they have to, they should be able to find a way out of this contract. Unless, but I think I think maybe I made a I made a decent point last last show that I, I that I bet Deshaun and his team, his his representatives maybe just said, no matter what the accusations are, we're signing this con. Maybe they put something in the contract where the Browns cannot get out of it. 
Uh, you know what I mean? Maybe the maybe Deshaun and his team protected him in the contract, protected Deshaun. I, I don't know. Cause that, cause, cause Possibly. He, you know, because he agreed to go there. Hey, I'll come to Cleveland. I, I didn't want to, but I'll go to you. Give me this money and promise that you're not going to uh, – that this can go away. I, I don't know. I don't know. But there's a way out because if I'm Cleveland's front office right now, I'm I'm staying up all night trying to figure out a way out of this thing. Yeah, it's possible that they uh, maybe perhaps they're so desperate to uh, to replace Desh- uh, not Deshaun Watson to replace uh, Baker Mayfield that you know they would agree to whatever Deshaun Watson wanted in order to in order to get him to come to uh, Cleveland. So maybe perhaps. Maybe perhaps uh, their desperation uh, made it easy for, you know, Deshaun Watson to basically, to to basically agree to come to Cleveland and that Cleveland was willing to pay whatever price they were going to pay, they were going to potentially pay. Mm, Interesting, but, you know, I, I, I think it would be I, – I would have to assume that there would be some sort of – if they didn't put anything in the contract, uh, that there would be some sort of way that they could get out of it, like some sort of morals clause or something. Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating to see. That's why they have attorneys, and I'm sure on the other side, and I'm sure on the other side, Deshaun's a multimillionaire. I'm sure he has very smart people to counteract whatever the Browns want to do. It's like, you know what I mean? They're going to have some sort of legal battle now. Yeah, it could. If it is proven to be true, it could get pretty messy uh, with with all of the different variables uh, that are going to be in play. But obviously we won't know about that until – you know, we end up going through this process again, which considering it took an entire year almost for mm-hmm. this initial process to go through, who knows who knows how long it could potentially take for uh for this one case or maybe there's more cases that are that are set to be introduced. Uh to me it just it just becomes comical that you know, more cases are being introduced. It's like, oh, we lost these cases, so let's introduce a few more cases, and maybe we'll win these ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lou, Lou, what do you think? You think they'll be able to get out of it, or I mean, are they going to just roll with this and just hope that he uh, is becomes a perfect, uh, perfect choir boy? And they, they, do, do you think the Browns think they can? Just I don't see get that me? happening. No. You mean the fair boy? No, I don't think so. No, but I, I think, I mean, Cleveland wants it to go away. It's not. I think maybe now Cleveland, Cleveland realizes they have to try to get out of this somehow. They have to, they have yeah. to uh, pull the plug on this, this idea. Yeah. Or to put a play like this, hell no. No. <laughs> yeah, I would be, I would be very surprised if. If the you know if if it ends up coming back, uh, that you know Deshaun Watson is found guilty or whatnot, and if he does have to serve time, I would be very surprised if uh, the Browns are not able 
to somehow get out of uh, somehow get out of this uh, this contract. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a unique situation because I don't think anyone in any sport has ever seen uh, so much trouble of this magnitude with a guy who just got to this new team with this huge record-setting contract. It's like the most unique, tough situation for a team. And, uh, I mean, Deshaun, he did it himself. But, I mean, the Browns are, like, left to pick up the pieces of this wreck that he created. It's pretty pretty, uh, pretty interesting to, to, to watch. And, and again, maybe perhaps. He even, and, he, and he hasn't even thrown one spiral on a Sunday yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and maybe per, may, maybe perhaps that's why they're hanging on to Baker Mayfield and haven't traded him yet. That's what are you true. waiting for? Well, I think the market the market wasn't there for him. People realize they're not. Everyone's realizing they're not really big Baker fans. I guess. I don't um, know. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it's unique. I, I, yeah, now I think the Browns are kind of just holding on to him because this is not a. Uh, going as smoothly as they had hoped with uh, Mr. Watson. Well, it could mm-hmm. be, it could be maybe perhaps they're looking at this and they're, and they're believing, well, may, maybe they knew that something like this was coming and they decided that they had to do something. They had to uh, prepare. And the way to do that would be to keep, uh, to keep Baker for the time being. Hell, even have him if if Deshaun Watson if this has to keep Deshaun Watson out again this year, maybe have Baker, uh, you know, play all of this uh, play through all of this season. By the way, the Avalanche they have opened up as uh, as favorites to win the Stanley Cup. They are minus one ninety. No surprise. To win the to win the cup over the uh, Tampa Bay, crazy They're a two to one favorite over the two times defending champions. That's yeah, minus that's minus be the one first time ever. Have you seen the Colorado Rangers play? Not enough. I know, I know, but I mean, still going up. The back to back defending champs are are a huge underdog. Jeez, yeah, crazy. Look, the Avalanche is whipping everybody's ass. So it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> they, so they really are. It seems like I sense you guys both think Colorado definitely five has a distinctive. Goal, averages five they're, goals they're per game. Come on. Yeah. The, so you guys both think the Avalanche are definitely quite a bit better than the Lightning, or can the Lightning win a third in a row? Well, uh-huh. you know, it's, no it's way. like I said. It's 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 like I said. Uh, I think. The beginning of the the beginning of the series will de, will determine what's going to happen because, I mean, obviously it will determine what's going to happen, but it's going to show. Okay, were the Avalanche just not facing teams with good enough defense, and were the Lightning the reason why the Lightning weren't scoring enough? Was it because they were facing more defensive teams compared to the Avalanche, who? You know, we're able to completely light up teams this off se- or this postseason, or will it show that the Avalanche are just far superior offensively? If they can even get through, uh, uh, you know, Vasilevsky. 
Is the Avalanche goalie really, really, really good too? And I'm, I'm, I apologize. I probably already asked that, but is he, is he even close to to uh, Tampa goalie? Well, no, no, no. Huge Fast advantage then. That's a huge advantage that Tampa has then. That that one area. Yeah, Vasilevsky. He's a uh, he, he's a uh, Vezina Trophy winner, goaltender yeah. in the league. I just I just didn't know if Avalanche still have a really good guy. No one's no one's as good as Tampa guy, but you know. And he's also won the Crown of Mice too. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I, man, the Rangers first seventy seconds of this series they scored on that guy. I thought they were gonna maybe win this series. Yeah. Mm. I just taking a look at some of the playoff records that Vasilevsky has. He has the most wins in a single postseason by a goaltender with 18, uh, which was set in 2020. Uh, he has the most playoff wins by a Tampa Bay Lightning goaltender with 33. Uh, the most playoff games played by a Tampa Bay Lightning goaltender with 58. The most saves in a playoff in a single playoff game by a Tampa Bay Lightning goaltender with 61. And he also has the most series-clinching shutouts in NHL history with six shutouts in a series clincher. Amazing. So That's, that's crazy. I mean, that's mine. You know, he's just – he's setting records for Tampa how, Bay – for he? the Tampa Bay Lightning. How, is he in his prime, um, or is he younger? He is twenty-seven, so he's basically right at the beginning Whoa. of his uh, of his prime, essentially. So they're going to be a big problem for the whole Eastern Conference for the next yeah. five or seven years, or ten, ten years. I'm, I mean, he's been he's been uh, he's been he's been an elite goaltender for like the last five years basically, for Tampa Bay. Hall of Famer. Ah, uh, he's headed that way from what, it's, from what it looks like. He's headed that way. Unless, unless something terrible like injury or, I don't know, that he's on the trajectory to, to definitely get get into the Hall. Yeah, definitely. Uh, his record so far, 229 regular season wins, 101 regular season losses, yeah. and 24 overtime or shootout losses. Uh, he has a career goals against average of 2.50 with a save percentage of 91.9%. Uh, he has a career playoff record, uh, not counting, let's see, for he has a career playoff record, I got to see what his record is in the playoffs this year, but uh, we'll get to that next week. Uh, we are at the yep. end of our show time. tonight. Uh, thank you, Lou and Alex, for joining me tonight. Also, thank you to thank you to Kyle, who joined me earlier tonight as well. Uh, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, don't forget, Big Brother fans, join us Wednesday and Thursday night this week at 9 p.m. Eastern for interviews with Big Brother 10's Rennie Martin as well as Big Brother 9's Sheila Kennedy. Uh, we will we will be doing those uh, Wednesday and Thursday night. Uh, but, yeah, for 
until next Saturday night, everybody have a good rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.